Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Rootmetrics second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement. Today on Not Sam Wrestling, wrestling superfan and hilarious comedian Ron Funches joins me. Plus, we break down TLC. We've got injuries to talk about and a whole lot more. This is Not Sam Wrestling. This is Not Sam Wrestling. Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Hey, welcome to Not Sam Wrestling, Not Sam Wrestling time. It's that time of the week again. Can you believe it? Only what? What's today's date? What is it? Only two episodes left after this one in 2018? Man, I can't believe how fast these years go. Welcome. Welcome to Not Sam Wrestling. Ron Funches is going to be on the show today. I'm very excited. For you to hear that interview, Ron Funches here in the Not Sam studio talking about everything from comedy to wrestling, life, and how wrestling's impacted all of it, really. I'm going to say we did talk about all that stuff, but mainly wrestling. After all, this is Not Sam Wrestling. It's not uh, Not Sam Chatting, although I do that too. So welcome to the show. Um, it's been, a, it's been a, a fun week, an interesting week, certainly. Man, I feel like everywhere you go, somebody else is is wondering what Cody Rhodes and the boys are going to do with that all-in promotion. I know that uh, Ring of Honor is in town here in New York this week, at the time this podcast drops anyway, uh, for what apparently will be those guys' last show, although Wrestle Kingdom was announced uh, officially, not that it wasn't going to happen, but the cards started being announced, uh, and it looks like at least Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks are on it, I think. I think what I saw, what I'm really looking forward to is the tease. The Young Bucks, I don't think that they ever showed what it was. If they did, I missed it. Of course, the Young Bucks were the first non-WWE talent to really promote the fact that they had Funko Pops, uh, which was pretty earth-shattering at the time, you know, a year or so ago when they announced that. But even more earth-shattering, the Young Bucks put out a tweet, and you guys know, I'm a figure geek, a memorabilia geek, the whole thing. The Young Bucks, they put out a a, a teaser image. And it said that they had partnered with an old company to make new product. And it looked like, you know, it it was a blue background. There was a cartoon-looking, maybe wrestling fan or somebody on the outside looking on it. It looked like, to me, an LJN box. Now, if you remember in the LJN days, when LJN was making the WWE figures, uh, the tag teams came in boxes because the figures, it was the big, eight-inch, thick, rubber figures. Wow. Uh, Eight-inch, thick, rubber. I'm I'm sure that we're all glad that I said figures after that. Um, But, you know, the, the solid ones, the ones that if you hit your little brother in the face with, you'd knock him unconscious for a day or two. Those ones... When they did tag teams, they would generally come in boxes. 
not cards, because if you put it on a card, it was just two figures was too much weight. It would rip the plastic bubble right off, I would imagine. So it would certainly, you know, do a number on the denting of the of the card itself. I was always surprised they could even fit one of those figures on a card without it, you know, ripping all the plastic off before it left the store. Um, but the exciting thing to me, it looks like the Young Bucks may be getting LJN figures. Now, this could end up being Bendems, you know, because LJN, LJN, they did the standard figures that I think a lot of people have collections of. I had, well, see, and here's the thing, you know, speaking of figures real quick, we'll talk about the, the Major Wrestling Figure Podcast, the Major Brothers Figure Podcast with Kurt Hawkins and Zack Ryder. Zack Ryder has absolutely some kind of insecurity that I've tapped into because it seems like no matter what they do, especially Zack Ryder, I'm following him. The ghost, the spirit of Sam Roberts goes where Zack Ryder goes. You know, the Edge and Christian pod of awesomeness, the podcast that Edge and Christian do. Fabulous podcast, by the way. I was thrilled to find out that Zack Ryder was a co-host, not a guest. Let's follow the rules of their podcast. They said co-host. Zack Ryder was on the podcast. And he was talking about me on their podcast. So he can't get through his action figure podcast, his WWE figure podcast, or Edge and Christian's podcast without referring to the last professional broadcaster, Sam Roberts. That, to me, is thrilling. If you had told me when I was a young man, Sam, one day you will be so impactful that a true-to-life, a WWE superstar will not be able to make a public statement Without your name coming out of his mouth. That is how uh, uh, impactful you'll be on his life. I'd say, you're kidding me. This is a dream come true. I'll say, I hope it's for a good reason. They'd say, it's not a good reason. Clearly, whether it's your figure collection, whether it's the fact that everything you have wasn't purchased secondhand on eBay, whatever it is, we'll never know for sure. But there is some kind of insecurity deep inside the mind of Long Island IZ that makes it so wherever he goes, you will follow him, whether you know it or not. I'm sitting there this week, Kurt Hawkins and Zack Ryder, they do this uh, fantastic uh, toy drive there at Creative Pro, which is the school run by Kurt Hawkins and my friend Pat Buck. And they, they do a toy drive that they've been advertising on their podcast for a few weeks now, and they ended up getting something like almost 3,000 toys. They got like 2,500 figures for kids in need so that at Christmas, kids that may not have presents normally would be able to have brand new wrestling figures under the tree. Now, I was going to donate, but as we all know, every figure in my collection is, you know, it's missing paint, it's missing a finger, it's, it's garbage, You know, it's a garbage collection. So what was I going to donate, right? Actually, I was thinking to myself, like I was planning on going up there. And uh, I I turned on Beyond the Mat the night before. And I was was, uh, inspired by Dennis Stamp. And he's sitting there and he's talking to Terry Funk. And I looked at Terry Funk like he was Kurt Hawkins. And Kurt Hawkins was coming up and he was going, Sam, Sam, I want you to be there. Well, I, I, I want you to be there. And I said, well, Kurt, I'm not booked. Kurt, you told me I wasn't booked, and now I've got other plans. And Kurt Hawkins was sitting there going, well, 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 Sam, I want you to be there. Will you come? Will you be there? And I'll go, Hawkins, I wasn't booked. I wasn't booked. I got other plans. Now, we never got to the point where Hawkins would go, 
Well, how about if I let you referee? How about if I let you referee the main event? I didn't get to the place where I could say, I'd rather work the main event than breathe. No. I was Dennis Stamp, jumping up and down on my trampoline, ready to go, holding my dumbbells, but with pride. Dennis Stamp had pride, and so did the last professional broadcaster, Sam Roberts. I said I wasn't booked. I wasn't booked. You know, when a, when a, when a, when a podcast just sits there, you know, talking about you, how your collection is garbage, I feel like that is not an invitation to come to their signing. When they're like, hey, we're doing a meet and greet for the fans. I'm not going to sit there and go like, oh, they must want me there. I wasn't booked. You know? So unfortunately, and you know, I have my child to 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 care for. I I, I live, you know, I'm an, I'm an hour and a half away from where they were. And I said, I couldn't unfortunately make it out. But within six hours, less than six hours, the night of the thing, you know, it was a, it was a huge success. Hornswoggle was there, Hawkins Rider, tons and tons of fans showing up, donating figures. There were already figures. There's a bunch of figures at ringside. Huge success, right? And still, what's the tweet that Zack Ryder sends out? Some fan goes, hey, was at not Sam there? And you would think Zack Ryder would be like, oh, it really wasn't a, uh, we didn't even think about that. We were so busy with the success that our show had for getting wrestling figures to the less fortunate that we didn't even, we didn't even, there was so much going on, we didn't even remember. But Sam is welcome anytime. That's not, he just wrote, no. And then Hawkins sent out a meme of me looking like the Grinch. Like, like because I wasn't booked, I want to steal Christmas away from the kids that are less fortunate. That's not true. I hope all the children have a wonderful Christmas. I give figures to everybody, as long as they don't mind if they're missing a finger or two. I got a lot of them, but you know, they're all they're used. What can I tell you? It's a collection. I'm an adult. You know, I've had the the toys since I was a kid, so that's what happens sometimes. But I do want to congratulate the majors on a great uh, live event or or meet and greet and a great thing that they did for charity. It was very, very, uh, it, it was heartwarming to see. They had a big truck and John from ringside was on it and, and, and zombie sailor was on it. By the way, all guys that I've done business with too, many a times, but they were all on the truck with the, with the major brothers and they were, they, the whole thing was full of toys for the less fortunate. And I said, that's just great. Now, if only Zack Ryder could enjoy the fact that he had helped all these kids and not still be obsessed with me, maybe peace on earth could come to woo-woo-woo as well. But until then, it's not woo-woo-woo, it's Sam-Sam-Sam. That's all you get out of this guy. So, you know, I am proud that I'm able to have that kind of impact on a WWE superstar, but I think we should all be proud of the majors for the, uh, for the great job that they did uh, getting toys for the less fortunate. Now, we should focus on the real less fortunate, which is Zack Ryder and the fact that he can't enjoy his collection, because in his heart, he knows that he can spend $3,500 on a doink prototype all he wants. If he wants a real collection, he's going to have to buy it on eBay like he always has. And that's tough for him, you know? He's the Michael Jordan of figure collecting, he says. But, you know, Michael Jordan wasn't talking about Charles Barkley everywhere that he went. 
you know? Michael Jordan was just being Michael Jordan. And by the way, Michael Jordan had been playing basketball all his life and had accumulated a, a set of skills from the time that he was very, very young. Michael Jordan didn't go on eBay six weeks before he started a podcast and accumulate his uh, set of skills. So there is a little bit of a difference, but, you know, look, only one person in the world has that $3,500 doink prototype, if it's real. So congratulations on that to Zack Ryder, too. What a week to be Zack Ryder. I just wish for... Sometimes I sit there and I go, as good of a week as Zack Ryder's having, maybe I wish I didn't exist. And not because, you know, because I'm self-loathing. But the only reason I sit there and go, you know, sometimes I wish I didn't exist is just because I want Zack Ryder to have a better week. Because he's going through a tough time right now. He's going through a tough time. He's got a lot on his plate. He's got to raise a cat. He's got to redo his shelves. You know, a lot going on right now. So, I don't know. I just hope that I don't run into him in in San Jose at TLC because I feel like it'll be awkward. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know for sure. Uh, But I'll tell you, it's not awkward when I get to sit down with Ron Funches. Ron Funches has done this podcast once before a while, while back. Uh, But I just, I I love that Ron Funches, who, by the way, has a Comedy Central special coming out called Giggle Fit, uh, and that goes down on January the 4th. It's on Comedy Central. It's the same night as Wrestle Kingdom. So, you know, here in the States, we got to stay up all night to watch Wrestle Kingdom. In the meantime, 11 p.m. Eastern and Pacific, Ron Funches' special comes on Comedy Central. Turn on Comedy Central, watch the special, then get yourself all amped up for Wrestle Kingdom. He's got Ric Flair involved in the special. He actually shot with Ric Flair, uh, which is a dream come true for any wrestling fan. And Ron Funches is the real deal. As far as uh, uh, celebrities, as far as uh, people who work in entertainment that are legit wrestling fans, Ron Funches is as big a wrestling fan as you'll ever meet. Uh, you know, just a collection. Go on and look at his podcast, Getting Better. It's not a wrestling podcast, but he has had, he had Kathy Kelly on it. His last show, he just had Joey Ryan on it. Every week, he's got either a retro or a current wrestling t-shirt on. He's got wrestling toys in the background. I mean, I'll tell you this. Ron Funches came in to the Not Sam Studios where a lot of my favorite, mainly Mattel, but a, a bunch of my action figures are on display. And he started rethinking his whole life. He looked at this figure collection and, and said, I'm not doing enough. Now, some people would have you believe it's not a real collection or that I'm a poser, but apparently it was enough to impress Ron Funches. Maybe you know him from Undateable. Maybe you know him from At Midnight. Maybe you know him from stand-up comedy. Maybe you know him as the hilarious guy who's a giant wrestling fan. He, this week, steps in to the Not Sam studio. I'm sorry that it took me so long to get here. I hope that you're still entertained. Ladies and gentlemen, Ron Funches. The Not Sam Wrestling Interview. Well, welcome. Not for the first time on the podcast, but for the first time in the Not Sam studio here with the last professional broadcaster, Sam Roberts. It's... Ron Funches. Ron, you don't have a, you know, for somebody that likes wrestling so much. I don't have a moniker. You don't have a moniker. I mean, I'm sure you've had monikers, Mm -hmm. but you don't have just one catch-all. No, I mean, you got such a good one. Last professional broadcaster? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's amazing. (laughs) And and plus, you don't have a lot of people who get mad at you if I was like, world's greatest comedian. Yeah, there's so many. People would be like, wait, Right, right. And that's why I said, last... Yeah. It didn't mean best, it just yeah. means last. Yeah. Except the only time people get mad is when people come up and they go, 
they go like, Sam, you know, I'm in college right now. I really want to be a broadcaster. You know, what do I have to do? And I am sort of, I have to tell them you it's over. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's no, I'm the last if one. If you try, we'll have to kill you. Right. Yeah. But I'll tell them to be like you. Is I'll it go, like the Highlander in that There one? can only be one. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll say, if you want to do a show and podcast or something, mm-hmm. you have to be a comedian. Yeah. See, like a comedian doing a podcast, that's not a broadcaster. That's, that's where... Yeah. That's that, where it comes in. Like that's people, a fish swimming in water. Right. You can't be a comedian and not have a podcast. I, I always yeah, when I look at like the prep sheets when I'm doing the radio show and, and a comedian's coming in and he's not promoting his own podcast, I'm like, What do you what do you do with your days then? Yeah. You? <laughs> I really had to figure that out because I was I was against it and then I put it in my own head where I was like, Well, what if you this is like when people were getting on Twitter when Twitter was good and and like and if you were like, I don't want Twitter, you know? Right. It's like, well, that's the same thing now. It's like, I don't want podcast. Everybody's got a podcast. It's like, yeah, because they're effective at helping <laughs> you reach the people who would want to listen to you. Right. Yeah, because generally your audience would like more content from you. Yeah. And the fact that it's on the house makes them like appreciate it even more. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Especially because like comedians for the longest time have always said that they hate doing morning radio and morning mm-hmm. shows and everything. So if you have your own show where you can sell your tickets there yeah. and you can sell out, yeah. then you don't have to do other people's shows anymore. Well, that's one of the big reasons I, I decided to do my podcast was that was that I was seeing people like Chris D'Elia and stuff who were doing the radio and then they're just like, I just don't do radio anymore. I right. just do my podcast. I'm right. like, oh, I hate doing radio. <laughs> and then I'm listening to other podcasts, uh, you know, like um, you know, with Bruce Pritchard and, and, and specifically the Conrad Empire. And... And then I'm on the road so much going to clubs, and they're telling me, oh, yeah, 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 in a couple of weeks we got Conrad coming through. And I'm like, oh, he's filling the same rooms I'm in right? because he of his podcast. And that's the other thing that you'll, you'll find soon as you go, because I don't know, you haven't done live podcasts yet, right? No, I'm doing my first one well, that's in January. It. Congratulations, Thank first you. of all. But you'll go, wait, I don't have to tell these jokes. I just get somebody that I like on stage with me and we'll have a conversation. And yeah. I can fill the room with that. <laughs> it's perfect. Yeah. Lower standards. <laughs> I don't need to do anything anymore. I'm just enough. Just being Ron Funches. Maybe that can be your monitor. Being I, Ron Funches. I love it. I mean, it sounds, you know, it, it, it doesn't read well. Maybe not. Like, what does he mean? You know? <laughs> but I think, I mean, overall, that's what mostly people are trying to do. That's what you do. That's what everyone does. Right. Now. It's just like you try to make more money by being more and more yourself. Right. And, right. And that's 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 beautiful to right. me. Although the Twitter thing is interesting because there is like, like you're saying, before it was bad and people weren't on Twitter, you're like, why wouldn't you be on Twitter? But now when somebody goes, no, I don't do social media, it's kind of the same thing as people going, I don't do morning radio. You go like, oh, good for you, man. Yeah. Good for you for not being yeah. on Twitter. Oh, you're better than us. <laughs> yeah. You made it up. <laughs> but we're not there yet. No. We're getting there. No, it. I want to be. Yeah. yeah. I want to be that. That is, you really have to reach a level of fame where you can just be like, oh, I just don't do it. I don't need and this. And I'm still famous. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Because otherwise, you go off social media and people go like, who? Is Ron, is he, did he quit, yeah. he quit show business? Yeah. <laughs> no, I just don't, I don't tweet well. I don't. I don't see you anymore. So I guess I thought you were gone. Um, did you always want to try to incorporate wrestling into what you do? I feel like incorporating wrestling into 
mainstream entertainment has become a lot easier now. Mm-hmm. Also, incorporating mainstream entertainment into wrestling is a lot easier now than it ever was. I think WWE and organizations like that are a lot more friendly to it. But I just feel like, you know, when you started kind of being an out-of-the-closet comedian wrestling fan, it was at a time when wrestling fans were still kind of nerds. And yeah. there were way more people in mainstream media that didn't take wrestling seriously at all and actually were like, what are you... Like a kid? What yeah. do you mean you're still into wrestling? Yeah. I mean, I'm for the most part, I'd never been a closeted wrestling fan. I was very, you know, as a child, I started as a child, and I was really into it. And then there was that two to three year period as a teen where I was like, oh, girls don't seem to be into this. <laughs> so I'm going to say I don't watch it. And I actually stopped watching it a little bit. But then as, as <laughs> most people our age, it's things like, okay, I'm still not getting girls, but... They're showing me boobs on ECW. <laughs> yeah, we had the perfect time, right? Yeah. It's like, these girls won't talk to us, but I do want to see the night Kimono Wanna Leia <laughs> danced atop the ECW arena. Absolutely. Oh, but that's as much action as I'm getting. I'm going to watch ECW. Yeah. <laughs> so then that pulled me back in, and, and ever since then, i just always been like, well, if you're going to be around me, you're just going to have to know who I am. That's even more, like you, If you see my podcast and you see my office, I have all my figures yeah. just right there. So, like, girls who would come over to date me, if I'm showing them around my place, you see who I am right away. Right. Because I'm like, I don't hide who I am. And But there has been a, a big shift. Because um, I remember, yeah, I would always tweet every WrestleMania w- weekend and stuff about wrestling and about how excited I was and whatever matches and make my predictions or whatever. Right. And I would see every year the same tweets from comedians being like, don't they know wrestling's fake and don't they know blah, blah, blah. and it's just like people were supposed to be smart comedians I'm like you're getting the hackiest jokes in the world <laughs> yeah and then you year by year it started changing and changing and then the same person who was was tweeting how much he didn't like wrestling was I'm going to Wrestlemania and, and I'm doing a movie with Batista yeah I'm talking about you Kamel <laughs> yeah i love doing the wrestling fan test now when i talk to people especially in entertainment that are big wrestling fans you know or they'll go like oh yeah i listen to the wrestling podcast i'm i I mean you your your passion for wrestling is just like my passion and i go okay and just start really lightly having a conversation not like a trivia contest just start bringing things up in conversation and i look at that look on their face and i'm like you know like remember when uh LOD became LOD 2000 and Baba, and I'm looking and if the expression goes blank I go no <laughs> we don't have anything to talk about here <laughs> we don't we don't have anything to talk about here we, there, there's there's nothing for us you know yeah because there is that pride of the fact that we were real fans from the beginning yeah doing it I mean and for me it's in all regards like I was a video game nerd back when it wasn't cool before there was Twitch yeah wow yeah before people now like oh I love video games like oh you play Madden you play Halo (laughs) no I play Japanese nerdy Persona 5 type games and that's what I'm into and I've never been ashamed of what I've been into I had a mod chip bro (laughs) (laughs) Saturn <laughs> yeah. But it's fun. But overall, I mean, I love it when more and more people get involved in it. Yeah. It makes it easier, like you said, more accessible for when I want to do things like do a wrestling type entrance for my for my special. Yes. That they were were receptive to that. Yeah. You know? And 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 I like that as long as they're not like dismissive of of it as well. You know? Cause sometimes they'll I've had people um 
Like they wanted to do, I've been shooting a special around and then another company was like, we don't want to do you an hour special. We'll give you a half hour special. And I was like, I don't really, that doesn't seem challenging and exciting to me. I understand that this might be more exposure, but that's not what I'm trying to do right now. And then their very last pitch was like, what if we shoot it in a wrestling ring? And I was like, oh, you just think I'm a clown. Right. You don't, you just don't get me. It's like, I'm a guy who likes wrestling and I like a lot of other things. You're a serious comedian. This is what you do for a living. I'm not Ron the wrestling comedian. Right. You know, although I did go to wrestling school for a few months. (laughs) (laughs) There's a period of time where you were Ron who does wrestling and comedy. Yeah. But But those are two separate worlds, even when you were doing both. Even if you go see my set, at most, I have five minutes about wrestling. Right. You know, and then the 55 minutes about the rest of my life right so i don't like it when people take one part about you and then try to be like okay that's you're the wrestling guy and they but that's just how people are when they're introducing you before it was like you're the fat stoner and then (laughs) you're the slightly less fat stoner yeah (laughs) did you go to like when you lose weight are people like well what are we supposed to what what are you then i don't understand yeah and you're like it wasn't this wasn't what it was about before. Exactly. It's just I'm healthy now. Exactly. You should be happy. <laughs> um, yeah, but I guess they do. Like when they start going, you, you start going like, no, just because I'm a wrestling fan doesn't mean I want to live my life in a child's birthday party. You know what I mean? Exactly. And, and, and it's still I'm weird. I'm still an adult grown man. Yeah. Yeah, that's another thing with my girlfriend. She was like, you are very complex. And the fact that like, you walk around in a Sailor Moon shirt, you sound like how you sound. <laughs> you know, you have your, she's like, you, you, sometimes you talk to me and you sound like Cooper from Trolls. And then, <laughs> but then other times you're like, <laughs> let's go. You're ready to blue chew it. <laughs> <laughs> I love that that's become what that's become, blue chew it. I've, uh, you know, as I've said, people don't like when I when I bring up Blue Chew on the podcast. People said, that it, Sam, coming from you, it just, it no, isn't I right. Get it. But look, I mean, you like you said, you need to bring people into the whole world. I'm 35 years old. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, man. you need to have whole your family. Exactly. Where do yeah. you think where do you think this kid came from? Right. Exactly. <laughs> right? Like somebody saw you and was like, I'll have a piece of that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. And just because it's hard for you out there to believe doesn't mean it didn't happen. Exactly. You know, and I'm sure I'm sure you've dealt with the same things in your life. I was watching. You had uh, uh, my friend and a friend of the of, of the podcast and friend of the show, Kathy Kelly, of course, on your podcast, Getting Better. Mm-hmm. And I was watching the interview, and I love the interview, but I also love that you were wearing a Starcade '97 T-shirt because mm-hmm. you're in today. You're wearing the Luna Vachon shirt, which earlier today I complimented you on because I was like, that's just. It's a cool shirt. It looks cool because it looks like a metal shirt. Like you could wear it wherever. And there's, I don't know what <laughs> fell. I have a lot of tchotchkes. Somebody fell. That might have been Cody Rhodes. I think it was Nakamura. Uh, no, Nakamura's still no, there. he's there. Yeah, I think it was Cody. No. He's always disrupting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Leave it to Cody American to disrupt. American nightmare. <laughs> um, but yeah, because the Luna, there's not that many Luna shirts. Yeah. Right? So the fact that you actually have one and it looks official, it's not like, you know, Oh, yeah. No, it took some searching. Right. But it's usually, I get on these little, um, just fixations where I'm like, oh, you know who I love? Luna. And I'm like, (laughs) let me go buy some Luna stuff. Right. And so I'm looking for figures. I'm looking for things. And then I found this shirt. I found one action figure. Yeah, do you have the action figure? I have the action figure. It came in the two-pack with Sable, right? Um, I think the one I have is just, it's like a, um. Is it Odd? WWE Classics. 
line. I think it's just. Oh, her. that's right. Yes, that's in the black line. Yeah. Okay, I'll tell you. There is. I forgot about that one. There is the classic one, and she looks like she does on your shirt. But there is also an oddities era. Oh, cool. Luna figure that comes in a two-pack with Sable, and she's got the ponytail and like a see-through plastic skirt and everything. I love so that. So that's out there, too. Yeah, I'd love that. I'll look that up. Yeah. Maybe I'll get you that for Christmas. Now I know. <laughs> now I know. <laughs> um, but what did you think as a... Fa- Starcade 97, to me, is this, like... It's, it's the ultimate microcosm for WCW in the sense that it was... The build-up to that pay-per-view was not only the best... Definitely the best build-up to any WCW main event, but one of the best build-ups to a wrestling main event ever. I mean, the build-up to Hogan Sting mm-hmm. is in the conversation with Hogan Andre, Hogan Warrior, the build-up. It was completely ruined by what happened, you yeah. know what I mean? And to me, that's where the microcosm for WCW is. It's like all this potential and all these great ideas and then when it came to execution mm-hmm. it was like Whoa. they won't make the proper business decision exactly what did you think of Starcade 97 that's what I I saw you wearing the t-shirt and I was like I am so fascinated by this Starcade 97 pay-per-view I want Ron Funch's opinion on Starcade 97 I mean you pretty much nailed it because then you could really because it didn't get bad at that point you know mm-hmm. very hot very hot for probably what another year at least so. yeah yeah. And and so, but it, you could really see like, oh, and I think Eric Bishop has even talked about it a lot where he's like, they just were never good at making a finish. You right. Know? And, but also if you're, there's, there's just a clear right and wrong way for that to go down and for it to not go down in the right way. It's just like, that's what happens when you give the inmates the asylum, you know? Right. And, and so, and, because that's just not the right business decision. Right. Yeah, and yeah, it's funny to hear Eric Bischoff talk because you realize why WWE is what WWE is because he goes, you know, I was an on-air character and, you know, I would jump behind the commentary booth so I didn't have time to produce all the announcers and produce every segment and blah, blah, blah. And you go... Vince McMahon But does. Vince did it. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And you go, well, I guess that's why yeah. Vince McMahon is a superhuman. He's yeah. not just like, hey, just do what Vince does and you'll be fine. Yeah. Um, He's just a weird, weird cat that you can't be like. That's just a legendary person. Right. And and, and for a lot of people, that you don't want to do that because that's, I mean, that is hell because it works for Vince because then you also have... His daughter works there. His son works there. Right. His wife is there working there. Right. But Eric Bischoff's wife wasn't working there. That's a good point. And at the end of the day, the company wasn't. It's not Eric Bischoff's blood in that company. Exactly. Right. He's so a, it's, it, overall, the stakes are different for you. At right. the end of the day, you may want to do less because you want Ted Turner to give you a pat on the back. But if at the end of the day, you're like, okay, this not only puts my fam- me out of business, this puts my entire family out of business looking for a new line of work. That's a different type of fight. Right. And it's my legacy. Yeah. Right. Like this is it. it McMahon is my name, but WWE is my name, too. As WWE goes, so does McMahon. It's Absolutely. one and the same at this point. So you went to wrestling school. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember when you told me you went to wrestling school. It's actually on, on YouTube. I'm sure it's on the channel. People can look it up because The Miz was there, too. Mm-hmm. And The Miz, he had his questions about it. Yeah. He came to me. I remember I saw The Miz at whatever pay-per-view was right after that. And he came up and he was like, hey. Because he called you Ronald, not Ron. Ron. But he said... Ronald Funches, he's really going to wrestling school? And I was like, yeah, man, he's really going to wrestling school. And he goes, but is he really going to? And I go, yeah, he's real. It's not like a reality show. It's not like a thing. And I, I mean, I think on some level, if anyone can understand that, 
it would be The Miz, yeah, right? Yeah, you would think so. Yeah. Um, but I think it caught a lot of people off guard, especially because you were at a point in your career where you didn't need to find the next thing. Like, everything was going like, we're coasting, man. We're going very smoothly in this whole comedy, acting, show business mm-hmm. thing. It That's seems what like a joke I would make. I go, I gotta get into wrestling because comedy's gotten too stable. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I need to be losing something. Yeah. So where did you train? At Santino Brothers. Ah. Oh. And who specifically trained you? Uh, Robbie, uh-huh. the trainer, as well as uh, Tyler Bateman. Mm-hmm. And then um, Brody. Brody was training. He didn't specifically train me, but he would train the class. And how did they? How did they take to you when you came in? Were they? Were They're they fine. They, Everybody they, was very. I mean, that's what I learned and loved about the class was that it was taught me a, a lot of um, sportsmanship and camaraderie with with other dudes. I never really had that. Being, um, I only had like girls around me my, you know, my sister and my mom and my, my cousins and so to nice to like go in and, and look someone in the eye and shake their hand and and and, and do that and, and things that i now take into my everyday life where i like to do like if i go into a room i like to just go in and introduce myself and shake my hand which is something that we had to do in class and um, i just learned about the drive and how much it took and how many squats you have to do <laughs> and stuff and, and that part was and i also what was fun for me was seeing something that I was not naturally good at. Like, you know, when I did comedy, like, when I started, it wasn't great, but at least I was like, oh, I am, I have some natural talent at this. I have a good voice. I have a good timing. There's enough there. There's enough here that with hard work, I can be great at this. Yeah. Yeah. When with wrestling, I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing, and this is harder than I thought it would be, and I, I'm having trouble even just doing a, uh, just a roll and getting up, you right. know? I'm, well, plus, I mean, you're how old at this point? I'm 35. Right. So to start at 35, like, your body is, has kind of, at 35, your body has kind of decided what the level of coordination it's going to work at is, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, it's not going to, you're not going to... Learn, yes. Like muscle memory is kicked in, kind of, or yes no? Yes and no, because that was another reason why I wanted to go is because I, you know, I, in the couple of years, the last couple of years, I lost 140 pounds, mm-hmm. and, and my I wasn't really aware of my body. A lot of times, unless I looked in the mirror, I still felt like I was the same person. Like I was still carrying that other 140 pounds, and I mean, my trainer would bring it up to me because we would do exercises, and I go to get up and he'd help me up and I'd lean back like there was more huh. weight that'd be picked up and he goes you're not that heavy just get up you're just thinking you are right because that's the muscle memory that was in you that was like you're just used to moving a certain way without thinking mm-hmm. so that's how you're going to continue to move yeah yeah. and so I wanted to, one of the reasons I wanted to go to wrestling school was like I want to throw my body around I want to slam it against mats I want to put it against these ropes so I can learn more about where it does begin and end and what it is capable of and and um, that was really helpful for me but I also learned that yeah comedy was going really well wrestling was not <laughs> and uh classes were like three hours a day and when i missed classes i was affecting my classmates and people who i was training with and so i was like and specifically i remember a time where they were just like you you're like if you come in and can help us set up the ring for this next show that would be great you guys got to make sacrifices for this if that means you know maybe you gotta get a part-time job or you gotta you gotta do uh you know do something where it's just your hours so that you could be here every week that's what it's going to take for you to be a wrestler and i was like oh i did that with comedy when i was in my 20s <laughs> right i remember uh, yeah i yeah. remember exactly this drive i remember sleeping in my car mm-hmm. 
I remember sleeping on friends' couches. I remember not knowing where I was going to get money. I did that. Yeah, but today Conan O'Brien wants to put me on a private jet. So this doesn't make sense so much. Yeah. Plus, there would be an awkward thing as much as, like, I'm sure you would do it because you're a humble guy. You're a human being. There is sort of this thing where it would be awkward for you. You're going to an indie show. You're setting up the ring. Somebody comes in and goes, hey, Ron Funches from the television. I'm a big fan. Why are you setting up the ring? Oh, because I'd be like, it's fun. Yeah, right. that's no problem. Right. I have no problem with that. Yeah. It was just that, I mean, I was just like, I could see I'm not good. I mean, I would, to this day, if we could put together a comedy-based match that I could do, I would be about it. But um, basically, I had a friend who died really young um, a year prior to that. He he had a brain tumor, and he got removed, and it seemed like everything was going to be okay. And then two days later, he, he died from complications of it, and... It just kind of wow. like, you know, you have things like that where you're like, oh, life is finite and I don't know. And if there's just two things that I've loved my whole my whole life. If you asked me for real what I wanted to do, I was like, I want to be a comedian or I want to be a wrestler. Right. And so I was like, oh, I'm, I'm good at comedy. Let me at least try right. to wrestle. And I found out I wasn't good. And it, but is it one of those things, too, for you? Like when you have a hobby like this or when you're passionate about something? Because a hobby, I don't think completely entails what it is but when you're passionate about something do you have this thing where you just want to be as close to it as humanly possible yeah yeah and you want to be as good as possible and keep getting right. better at it and and that was also the thing where i learned with wrestling was like oh i just like i like watching it and when i'm doing it now i'm learning more of the little secrets and i already knew enough things but now it's very very apparent like the hand the hand checking from refs and stuff is so much more apparent to me now that I just like, oh, I don't want, I, I like the mystery. I like right. the magic trick. I don't need to know every single thing that's going on. Yeah. Like, you don't, you, you, it's okay to know that the card trick that you're seeing is not actual magic, but you don't need to know exactly where the hidden card is. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. if he's got his sleeves rolled up and you don't know where that card went, it's, it's magic. magic. <laughs> it's magic, yeah. <laughs> did you have any, so, did you have any visions of what a character would look like if you performed the character, or was it really just about, like, learning? It was just about learning. I thought it'd be me. I always had my main fun character, which was Ron the Reckless Negro Funches, who is just a hillbilly from the Oregon coast who wears cut-off jean shorts and steals pies off of windowsills, <laughs> which I don't know why they exist in my wrestling world. Uh, but then his catchphrase is, hide your weed and white women. There's a reckless Negro coming. So he's a baby up north in a hill down south. <laughs> That's really going back to like the territory days. Yeah. Like, oh, man. Watching old Smoky Mountains with the Harlem Heat. Oh, my God. Jim. Houston Heat or whatever they were then. Jim Cornette would love Ron the Reckless Negro. <laughs> he would it put makes you, sense. Classic hill. Right, right. You and the gangsters all together. Let's <laughs> get New Jack back in. We can rebuild uh, this thing. Oh yeah, the gangsters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The gangsters coming in, and it was. Oh my god, I love watching that. <laughs> right. You don't, so you don't get sensitive to the old uh, 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 racial stereotypes that were played upon pretty heavily in wrestling. I mean, I don't love it. Who loves it? It's just that it's funny to me to watch how people are and 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 again some wrestling for the most part is uh usually a mirror of what society is like at that time so for to see that and to see the fact that 
all they had to do was be two black guys from New York and heels. <laughs> right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and there and there's and however, Tommy Rich is walking around with a Confederate flag on his ass. <laughs> He's the biggest baby face in the company. Of course he is. It makes no sense. How great is Ron Funches, huh? Back to Ron in just a moment. But 2019 is quickly approaching. What is your New Year's resolution? Mine? To go to more wrestling shows. You got to go to these shows, man. And how are you going to get tickets to go to these shows? Of course, last week on the podcast, we talked about the fact that Raw, SmackDown, Hall of Fame, NXT were all going on sale surrounding WrestleMania. Those would be four great live events to go to. But getting tickets online to live events like that is way too complicated. It makes no sense. Hundreds of sites, varying levels of reliability. It's hard to know who to trust. That's why I'm here to tell you about SeatGeek. SeatGeek. Every single purchase is fully guaranteed so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. No more of those fake tickets that you get from shady people. My buddy Hot Dog, he thought he was going to WrestleMania 29. He showed up. He walks into the building. He gives him his ticket. He goes, my very first WrestleMania. It's a fake ticket. He spent the weekend. He went to the police station. They were like, what do you want us to do? It's just a scam. People get scammed like this all the time. Didn't get his money back. Didn't get to watch WrestleMania. Don't be a hot dog. Be a winner. Go to SeatGeek. SeatGeek can be your go-to ticket source for everything from sports to concerts to comedy to theater. Anything you want to see, SeatGeek has the tickets for it. I've got the app on my phone. It's so easy to use. You can do it by location. You can do it by event type. You can do it by artist. You search. It'll tell you who's playing where, what, when, sometimes even why. It'll tell you what seats are available. It'll rank the seats based on value. So you can choose your seats if you want to uh, based on value, as I said. You can choose your seats based on where they are because there's a seating map right there. Or you can do a combination of both. The world is your oyster, and it's all because you've got the SeatGeek app on your phone. And if you think that it doesn't get any better than that, boy, oh boy, you're dead wrong. My listeners, you guys, you're getting $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. That's right. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code SAM today, S-A-M, SAM. That's promo code SAM, S-A-M, for $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. SeatGeek, life's an event. We have the tickets, and this is Ron Funches. And I think what we do is, like, we look at still photos of that stuff, and we go, that's wild that that was on TV, that's offensive, blah, blah, blah. But the real story, to me, is not in the characters that were being played. It's when you watch the video, and you kind of lose the characters because you look at the reactions. You look at the reactions in the audience, because the story is not... Oh my gosh, look at this character that was on TV. The story is, look at the audience that bought into the character. Yeah. Like, the audience is not sitting there going, like, I'm offended by this stereotype. No, they're on board. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, that's my fear. That's, I told you, that's what I've been worried about. <laughs> and you go, yeah. okay, somebody's got to examine that story, not the story of the guy that's necessarily in the ring right now. Yeah, I mean, there's still stereotypes to this day. It's one of the hardest parts about wrapping my mind about being a wrestling fan the more older i get it's just like i go i look at this thing where i'm like oh they don't seem like they like me (laughs) either i'm supposed to be the million dollar man's servant or i'm like dancing around with a bird you know there's just never been some that's why one of my biggest heroes wrestling or otherwise is ron simmons i was about to say yeah because you're like he's just a 
good wrestler who is a black guy who you took seriously and you were like okay he's champion and i love that to this day you still don't see that you don't see that i mean i love the new day i love them but it still irks me a little bit that the fact that they have to come out and dance and throw pancakes mm-hmm. you know and i know that's part of what they want to do i'm not i'm not because i don't want to make them sound like they're doing anything negative but it seems to me that it just sucks that that's that is what to this day still gets you over if you're a black act and mm-hmm. I, 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 cuz you look at it with with the truth you know one of the one of the oldest hackiest gimmicks in 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 the world and I don't mean Ron Killings I'm talking about that character of like I where am I? Mm-hmm. Am I am I a woman or am I a man am I on smackdown am I on raw and and you put that character in, 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 a, in a white wrestler, and I don't think that many people would buy it. But because it's this this black character from the hood with with with, with braids in his hair, it's it's hilarious. Oh yeah, I get yeah, yeah. <laughs> he probably is that dumb. <laughs> and to me, that's sad. I don't like that. Right. I don't like that because that's not. I, and I know you need a bit of everything. You need comedy. You need this. You need that. You need everything. But I. In my mind, I can't figure out any other world where someone who looks the size of Big E isn't being pushed in in the Vince McMahon company. The, the one of the few people who has a body type that if you put him next to Brock Lesnar, you go, I buy that. Right. I buy that he could take on Brock Lesnar. Yeah. And I mean, they did it in NXT. You know what I mean? When yeah. he was there with the five count and everything, like yeah. that was the whole thing. And, I mean, they, they flirted with it a little bit. You know, when he first came on and he was Dolph Ziggler's bodyguard, they flirted with the idea of him being this guy. But, you know, he's also happens to have this other side of him that is so over-the-top entertaining Yeah, that you go, you know, how do we not take advantage of this? And we also know through the history of Vince McMahon, he loves dancing. He loves the goofy stuff. He lo- and so when he meets somebody that can portray the goofy part, Sometimes we get lost in the goofy part, right? Yeah, true. Yeah. We do. But I just feel like there's just there's more to it, and there's a bigger story that could be told, when, which happens because and I've heard it with, like, Bruce Pritchard and stuff where he's like, funny doesn't make money, and so, like, you know, those characters only have such a limit, but I don't think that's true. I feel like... Yeah, I don't like think so either. The best characters have been able to do a bit of everything. Right. Ric Flair's hilarious. So is The Rock. Rock is hilarious. Stone Cold's hilarious. Hilarious. Kurt Angle. Yeah, Stone Cold with a tiny little guitar singing Kumbaya. Like, hilarious. Yeah. But he's still a badass from Texas. But you still take him seriously. Right. And that's where sometimes there's a a mix where where we lose the, like, taking people seriously. Right. You know? But I understand that's also, I'm a 35-year-old man talking about a product that's aimed at children. Exactly. (laughs) Kids love when, because guess what? All the kids, they lo- they all try to catch those pancakes, yeah. don't they? They love them. My son, oh, biggest New Day fan in he is. the world. He is. Loves them. We have, I have a bunch of action figures at my house and a couple of pops. And the only ones that he has in his room are the New Day. Really? Mm-hmm. Is he a wrestling fan, your son? He likes, he refers to it as John Cena. Okay. And so he is a like superficial wrestling fan. Right. He 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 will go to me will go with me to um a Raw or a SmackDown or a uh, WWE pay per view. He is going to uh, one PWG show and now has refused to go to any other. He doesn't like it. He doesn't like it. No, that's he doesn't he, like it. He's the one that sits there and goes like, no, WWE no. is what it's all about. Uh, yeah, this PWG well, stuff is nonsense. He, he's straight true. He's like he's a, too adult. Right. And I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
the fact that you know that is almost too adult for you. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't like, he doesn't like what he, and plus he hates lines and he hates like, so the whole atmosphere to me, that's fun of like this community and everybody, everybody. pushed in on top of each yeah, other. He yeah. He hates. Right. I get that. Yeah. I get that. Do you, have you been to the uh, PWG since it was in the big auditorium? Yeah. Since they moved? The glow? How yeah. do you, I haven't been. I, you know, I, I went to, I think I've only, I've only been once actually. I went to a show when they ran in the old building, the tiny building. But I've seen the photos and stuff. I haven't been since they moved to the big building. What do you think? I love it. You do? I love it. It's it's a different vibe. Um, if you have a chance at the at the old show, you go like, okay, there's nothing like this. But I feel like everything, every scene, whether it's comedy, music, wrestling, they have these little bubbles and peaks. And you have to be like, well, that was just a special time. Because all those people kind of, you know, end up getting signed. So when you're like, oh, I was there when watching Kevin Steen and El Generico and, and, and Adam Cole. And like, well, yeah, that was the special time, and you kind of have to move on. And and they've outgrew that place a long time ago, you know. I, I have ends, and it still was extremely difficult for me to get tickets. Oh yeah, you know. And and so for the, every time I see Jerry O'Connell, he's like, <laughs> like Jerry O'Connell, literally, what was it? What was it? Whatever on Thanksgiving, he texted me and he said, "Hey, man." Happy Thanksgiving from Jerry O'Connell, the guy that couldn't get into PWG. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, because they don't really play. Fa- I mean, they have like their their diehards that they think they set tickets aside for, but unless you're like you know Topanga or Sofia Vergara, they don't really hold ticks. So right, you you gotta just get them. And in the globe, just being in a PWG event where where it was air conditioned and did that's not wild. smell horrible. Yeah, it was great. Don't you love the people too? Though they like they like it's almost. Like an indie band that you go clearly some of this is good when they go mainstream there are those people that are like man it shouldn't be air conditioned in here it shouldn't smell good in here this isn't pwg and you're like well let's let's wait a second part of me that was even a little bit like that left when i saw that they had an alley where you could smoke whatever you want (laughs) i was like what yeah (laughs) this is the best yeah and hot I'm going to take full advantage, first of the alley, then of those hot dogs. <laughs> you guys have a hell of a business strategy here. Yeah, I just hope they can maintain it with whatever whatever is happening with the Bucks and, and Cody and stuff. Yeah. I just love to see, you know, because, you know, it's so weird now that, you know, normally there would have been a PWG show in December or something, and they've, they've gone dark since, like, November, so... But Excalibur is now like a mainstream commentator guy. Yeah, he did all in. He's doing. He's doing. He's doing Wrestle Kingdom, isn't he? That's it's amazing. Yeah. Do you like seeing guys like that? Because there are people who would rather if Excalibur never did anything else, or if if Adam Cole and Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly never went to NXT because those are our guys and we don't want WWE That makes to... no sense to me. I agree with with you. I, well, I want people to succeed, but I do know... I'm not saying it doesn't make sense to me as in that doesn't exist. It exists all the time. I hear people say it to me and it's so weird. Now, like I even feel it with my special is that like... I felt like, you know, when I had a 15-minute special and was just doing that, there were a lot more excitement. And now I'm doing this hour and I'm not going to convince people because they're like... Oh. We thought you already did one. <laughs> you know, we just, like that one. You're okay. You're okay. You own a house. You're okay. It's kind of like this vibe of like you've already made it as far as we're yeah. willing to support you. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And I have to be like, no, I still need your support. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. That's like what when I started showing up on WWE TV, and they're like, Sam, ever since you showed up on WWE, man, you're just a shill for WWE. And when I'm haven't like, haven't you been? 
Download episode one of the podcast. What was I was shilling for WWE then? That's who I am. I'm a yeah. I'm a WWE fan. You are. Right. It makes sense. I just get angry about it when I listen. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But I go, that's who he is. Right. But you've been getting angry about it since the beginning. Yes. Right. Like, You're wrong about it. Yeah. Be a more critical eye. Stop apologizing for them. <laughs> yeah, but it's not because I'm getting a paycheck. It's because that's the relationship that I'm in with yeah, WWE. Yeah, That's yeah. I just have a, a a love for that company from the time I was you a child. Always, you still look at it through your childhood eyes. Exactly, a hundred and ten percent. And I kind of refuse to do anything else. I go if this thing is going to ride with me. Like if if me and WWE are going to ride from that's the kind of the one thing that you have that, and I'm sure on some level you feel the same way. Like there is this one little element that you picked up in your childhood that's coming with you into your adult life. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I'm not going to get cynical about this. Like, I'm not going to turn this into... Most of my childhood things have come into my adult life. I mean, life. look, look around me. You're right. Yeah. You're right. That, you got sneakers for everywhere, yeah. robots. But I feel like that's okay. You just got to find somebody who's cool with you being you. And, and, and also, as long as you're still a responsible adult paying yeah. bills, that's how I look at it. But, you know, I tell my girl now, it's like, you, you will never... This ends in changing. You will see me yeah. with some headsets on playing PlayStation 9. You know? <laughs> so when I'm 60 years old, this is just who I am. Right. So. Right. You find somebody that accepts that. And for me, and it becomes easier to accept too. Like, And I don't know why this clicked in for me at a pretty young age. Like from the time it was time to start thinking about what you were going to do professionally. Like definitely by the time I was in college, it was just, even from high school and earlier, it was, you have to figure out how to turn this childhood stuff into business. Like, you know what I mean? Like you have to figure out like, okay, what you do to make a living mm -hmm. is what you're going to be spending most of your time doing, or at least it should be. Cause you know, yeah. that's how you make the most money. And how do I bring this stuff that's on my brain all the time anyway yeah. How do I make the stuff that's in my brain naturally the stuff that I'm spending my time doing? That's what my comedy has been all about. Right. You know, from the very beginning of even, I mean, first of all, comedy was that thing for me. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I want to be able to do that. And I took it very seriously as a job, which is why, like, I have my podcast and I have everything that I do with the acting. Everything is all a part of, like, just continue to build my stand up and make things easier for me you know because when i figured out that i could play the same gig and make like this much money or i could make five times that much money because i have a credit on tv right it's like oh i should go to acting class <laughs> you know and so there's a lot of focus on that and then just this type of comedy i do is like i want you know if you're doing stand-up you're building your set changing things bit by bit and, and you talk about the same subjects a lot and you're working on these bits a lot and i was like well i only want to talk about the things i love and enjoy then so i talk a lot about wrestling i talk a lot about video games i talk a lot about my family because those are the things that are important about it to me so when, even when i perform you can feel it so it doesn't seem like i'm doing this five times a day right you know it's new to me because it's just how I feel. It's right. how I talk anyway. Right. It's something you're actually excited about. Yeah. I want to talk about this. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I actually, if we, if we were talking off stage, 
And it was just having a conversation, this is what we'd be talking about. Yeah, like, which is, again, yeah, my special is like, uh, what do I talk about? I talk about Wishbone, I talk about The Rock, I talk <laughs> about, uh, Ric Flair's just in it, so it's just like, all the things I love. I talk about, oh no, that got cut, but I did talk about Persona, it was, anything I love is what I talk about, and I just try to have a base level of joke that anyone can get it but if you also understand my references if you like wrestling if you like video games you'll be like oh i i know this guy right you know and to me that that's makes that bigger connection than just he's funny right you know who was the idea was the the fact that uh on at midnight they used not only a championship belt but a ron simmons era wcw championship belt that's Mm -hmm. like the model behind that was that your the idea? That was my belt. You brought it. I bought that <laughs> oh, I thought that was like a show. It's hanging in my office right now. So that was yours. You're yeah, like, was, I'm the one who keeps once, winning. I'm, yeah, I'm buying a belt for the show. all the time. And, I, and at some point, I was the most winning. I was like, I'm going to buy a belt. <laughs> I made the belt, and I, I love Ron Simmons. Right. So I had the belt made off of the belt that I loved. And then I carried it in and then immediately lost. <laughs> <laughs> Every time I brought the belt on the show, I lost. Right. So I was like, and I, but I was like, this makes sense. <laughs> this is good for business. But you never handed the title over. Oh no, I would hand it over for the show and then take it back. Right. You're like, but I bought that. So that's yeah. The person person who wins goes like, is there a prop guy that I should hand this back to? Oh no, I brought that from home. That's, that's, that's actually my belt, and it's not a belt. It's a championship title. Exactly. It's, it's a championship title. And please uh, uh, pay proper respect to it. But it is now. It's hanging up in your home. Yep, in my office. That's amazing. Yeah. It's such an amazing thing. And it's one of those things where you just start sl- incorporating in little elements everything that is you into yeah, kind so of I everything want to bring that you bring it little by little so that, you know, when time special wise, it does. It's not silly. It's not foreign. Of right. Like, why is he in a robe? It's not like when, <laughs> yeah. when the Migos bring out Ric Flair and you're like, wait a minute. Yeah. Well, I didn't know Migos were, yeah. were watching wrestling. Yeah. yeah. It's just like, oh, we know he's a fan. We've seen it. We saw him at StarCast. We saw him, you know. Yes. So it's like, we know he's for real. And that's that's to me, that's very important. Um, and also, I just wanted to lean into what I love because also... I know that wrestling fans are passionate, so I want to embrace who I am and, and not hide that. And, and, and they will watch your special, and they will they will watch it live, right? You know, which is what I need. Right, it's not streaming. You so watch it live January fourth. <laughs> you're talking about on Comedy Central at 11 p.m. Eastern and Pacific. Yeah, if they could. On January 4th? And if they could DVR it, that would be great. Watch it a couple times. Yeah, why not? (laughs) But let's try to, if you're going to watch it a second time, try to do it within two days of the first airing. Oh, please. Yeah, that would be great. Give me that plus three. (laughs) (laughs) So, what are some moments that you've had? Is Ric Flair participating in your special one of them where, like, you kind of have to sit back? And it's more than pinching yourself. It's being like, this is what little Ron Funches would have just lost his mind over it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, specific specific moment was like, we're going over this, the, the script and then like he woos and we're wooing back and forth. And I'm like, I am wooing back and forth with Ric Flair. Right. In real life. I Professionally, by yeah. the way. 
in a professional capacity. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just like, I can't imagine this. I'm mean, trying, you know, I'm promoting a lot and, and I'm trying to set up interviews and um, my, my agents and stuff are always reaching around. But um, I was trying to get on the Stone Cold podcast. and, and But I knew from talking to other people that he's kind of like, you got to get in touch with him. <laughs> like, oh, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And so I just emailed the podcast and, and he just called me right back. And I'm like, on the phone talking with Stone Cold Steve Austin. And I'm like, and it was literally the day that I got on the, the private plane to go fly with Conan. I was like, I go, so, okay, so I'm on a fire plane with Conan. I get off the plane, and then I go on the phone with Stone Cold Steve Austin. It is literally my childhood dream. Isn't he a mind-blowing guy, Stone Cold? Yeah. The fact that these are, like, I remember, like, when I started doing the wrestling podcast and it started picking up some steam and it was popping up on the iTunes charts and stuff, I just woke up one morning because I woke up early for radio, and overnight I had a text, and it's from Stone Cold. And he's like, Hey, man, I'm just reading his text in his voice, but it's just like I saw your podcast on iTunes. Let me know if you want to do my podcast sometime. And I'm like, what? Like, wait, wait, wait. I'm like reading it over and over again. Like, it's mind blowing. And then when I get on the phone with him, it's it's stone cold. And it's, hey, man, what are you doing? Yeah. I was like, oh, I was just having dinner. You know, I just having some dinner with my wife. Oh, what are you having? And you're like, <laughs> Oh my God! Oh my! He wants to talk. (laughs) (laughs) Like, and when I did the podcast, we went over. Like, he was asking me about like my diet because he's just fascinated by the fact that I just eat garbage all the time, fast Mm -hmm. food, like everything. And so, like a couple days after we did the podcast, he called, and he was just asking my opinion. First, it was mind blowing. He's asking my opinion on we recorded two podcasts. Would it do? Do I think it would matter which order he puts him out in? And I'm like, first of all, this conversation is blowing my mind. But I was like, no, I don't think so. Blah blah. And he's like, oh, okay, good. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Hey, what'd you do after 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 you did the podcast? Would you hit a Burger King or something? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was like, actually, on the way to the airport, I did hit up a KFC on the way to the airport, and he just goes. You sorry fucker. It's <laughs> like so you are funny. the greatest the yeah. greatest thing. It's so crazy how much he knows about so many different things. Yeah. Like when I got on the phone, I talked to him. I assumed he had no clue who I was. I found out that he at least had some idea who I was and and I I moved I'm horrible at impressions, but I will still try. Do it. It's a stone cold voice. Uh, yeah, but I'm going to do First of all, here's my Peter Griffin. Yeah. Hi, I'm Peter Griffin, family guy. <laughs> <laughs> I just say whatever the show is. Sunday is on Fox. <laughs> yeah. At least nobody could be like, who's that supposed to be? I thought I told you. <laughs> so, but then he was like, he's like, hey, man, uh, uh, I just want, I was on the phone for a few, a few minutes just going over like when we might be able to do the podcast. And he was just like, before I let you go, uh, quick question. And, and you, it's okay if I'm, if I'm full of shit here. Uh, are you inspired at all by Mitch Hedberg? And I was like, yeah! <laughs> Mitch Hedberg is like one of my favorite. Yes, yes, yes. How would you, A, what do you know about Mitch Hedberg? And B, why do you, how could you know that? You're just like, oh, yeah, that's Mitch Hedberg. That's, yeah, the wildest thing is like in your head, all you want to do in the beginning is like, if I ever talk to Stone Cold, I'm going to ask him about this wrestling match and that wrestling thing and blah, blah, blah. And then you're like, wait. I want to talk to Stone Cold about Mitch Hedberg. Like, I just want to just talk to this man. Yeah. And it's almost like really quickly you realize, like, 
I think he knows, but somebody should tell him. He's the greatest wrestler of all time. Why isn't he acting? Like, why is he just being a person? Oh, I think he. there is ton of money in, in Stone, a Stone Cold Steve Austin based cartoon of him just because when you listen to the podcast it's nothing more funny to me of him cutting the same intensity level of promo that he would against a rock as he is against somebody who doesn't use their blinkers <laughs> it's I'm mean, just just Stone Cold in his daily life yeah except he's not Steve he's Stone Cold yeah. in his daily life everywhere he goes yes I mean it's it's amazing yeah it is it's it's moments like that that you go, I can't believe this is my life. Like, I mean, when I started doing the WWE pre-shows, like, just in general, of course, every single time is like, what the hell is going on here? This is crazy. But there was this moment when I did one and Jerry Lawler was on the panel. And kind of at the time, you're in this, like, state of awe in general that you're even there. And I'm still, every single time I do it, it's a state of awe. But it was the next day when, like, I posted a photo on Instagram. And I'm like... I'm sitting at the table with Jerry the King Lawler. Like the guy, Jerry the King from Raw. Jerry the King Lawler. And it's, it's you just sit there and you're like, I don't, I don't know what this ride is anymore, but it's amazing. Well, I mean, it's so fun. You put so much work clearly into it because there's so many super fans and stuff. It, it, I was having a hard time. I was talking to my girlfriend before I came here and I was explaining to her what I was doing, coming to do your podcast. And she was like, so he has his, I go, there's a lot of thing with wrestling, he has pre-show and stuff. So she was like, so he was a wrestler? <laughs> <laughs> and I sent her a picture of you and I go, nope. <laughs> and it was before the beard, right? Yeah, Because yeah, the yeah. beard could trick people. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. It, was, it was pre-beard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nope, this is him. Yeah, this is him. He just, She's like, so he's not one of Jim Henson's Muppets. <laughs> no, no, he's a person. He's a human being. <laughs> huh. So it's just so cool where, you know, you take some someone who who because usually it was just someone who was a wrestler or a family member of a wrestler or someone who just born in the business and and you know making it in as a as a fan is amazing i just love that there's room for all the perspectives now that there is like you you absolutely like the most interesting perspective is always going to be the wrestler's perspective right because they're have a closeness to it that none of us are able going to ever be able to understand but the fact that wwe would go out on a limb and be like look fans care about the perspective of other fans as well let's incorporate that Mm -hmm. and i'm like i yeah that sounds great to me it's unbelievable yeah Um, it's really smart and you know and i think uh and i think that they see that it translates everywhere and when somebody like ron funches has a giant comedy central special coming out on january 4th at 11 p.m The best time rick flair is going to be incorporated with it how good of a day is that you got wrestle kingdom yeah. You got Giggle Fit. Giggle Fit on Comedy Central. And Russell Kingdom, if you're watching in the U.S., it's like, it ends up at like 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning West Coast time, right? Mm-hmm. Like 6 a.m. East Coast time. So you clearly, you go like, you know what, this is going to be an all-nighter because I'm going to want, obviously you're going to watch Russell Kingdom. Mm-hmm. You make your little popcorn, get your little sandwiches. You start. With Giggle Fit. Mm-hmm. You watch that. Get your juices flowing. You see Ric Flair. Yeah. Yeah. You go, I'm going to go watch some stuff on the WWE Network now. And then, boom, switch over to New Japan World. And it's time for Wrestle Kingdom. When you fire up the WWE Network and you mm-hmm. want to watch some want to watch some old stuff. Okay. What is your favorite era old stuff to watch? Um, my favorite to watch? 
to watch okay, and just to enjoy. to enjoy. Right. Not like this is the, the finest wrestling. Like just when you're like, I want to turn my brain off. I want to enjoy wrestling that I feel in my soul. Not I appreciate the artistic merit. No, 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 no. I just, the thing that's in your gut that was the same thing as you as a kid, what now do you watch to satisfy Multiple that? Multiple things. I watch if I'm like, if I, if I, there's probably one exact match. If I'm like excited, it's like, oh, I just want to watch one of my favorite things. I watch um, Kurt Angle versus Shane McMahon at King of the Ring. Yeah, I was there. It was amazing. Amazing. It was amazing. And when you watch it now, you're like, oh, okay, this is too much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is too much. There's a lot of things. His tailbone is broke. He's trying to wheel him on the cart because his tailbone's broken. <laughs> you should just stop. Right. And But the fact that they didn't is so impressive. Um, so I watched that because I'm really impressed about that. Eddie, any Eddie Guerrero matches, mm-hmm. I, I love watching. Um, if I want to go to bed, I usually just turn on like a Thunder from 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 a little you know late nineties because I love it they make me laugh there's usually some fun cruiserweight matches right going on I get to see Super Calo I get to see Blitzkrieg no are you laughing because are you laughing at stuff that's entertaining and funny or are you laughing at stuff that's bad I'm laughing at stuff that's bad yeah 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 yeah, no, yeah that era of WCW is amazing because they have some of the best cruiserweight stuff. Mm-hmm. Coupled with some of the worst wrestling. It's some of, not only the worst wrestling, it's some of the worst television <laughs> you've ever watched. There's people missing cues. Right. There's like just things that you're just watching production people. It's just like they you any show would just be like no we can't we can't air this because we we're we're messing up too much yeah but it was just a thunder where people oh when you can just tell people aren't caring anymore. <laughs> they know the end is near yeah they're not we should never be doing a second tv show yeah they're it's just fun to watch right because they don't care. They're like, you know, especially some late Bobby Heenan stuff where he's literally just burying the product <laughs> on, on the air. Yeah. <laughs> he's like the greatest color commentator of all time, and this is what he's got to call. Yeah, and he's just fed up. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's a great selection. Thank you. I've been, uh, I got a fire stick because I wanted to find ways to get my hands on old, like, uh, um, late 90s, like, uh, uh, Japanese deathmatch stuff. Mm. Like, all... I, I've been on... So what happened a year or two ago, CZW brought Onita in mm-hmm. to the States for the first time in, in, you know, 20 years or something like that. Like, he never came to the States. CZW brought him in to do a match, uh, a death match, an exploding barbed wire match with uh, Matt Tremont. And... It kind of sparked this thing in me where I had forgotten because I was like a big tape trader in high school, mm-hmm. like a, a, I mean a, a thousand, like I was a giant tape trader, and Japanese death matches were my thing because at the time, you know, high school late nineties, Japanese death matches were big. I mean, it, yeah. it, it pushed ECW. But it really seems like more of a that seems like something I would watch in high school than I would watch in, in my thirties. If you watch it now, you're like. This is brutal. You shouldn't. You shouldn't you should be doing do this, this. To human being, but it's really odd for the sensations that I feel because I went to the CZW show just as a fan, bought a ticket, waited online for the Onita meet and greet because I was like, oh my god, like I haven't thought about Onita since I was in high school, mm-hmm. and I watch those matches now, and I almost watch them the way like the way you would watch Toy Story. You know how you can watch Toy Story since we were actually kids when Toy Story came out. 
we watch it with that lens. Mm-hmm. Like there's this nostalgia and this like, oh, this not only this not only is is does this bring me back and is this just a sweet movie, but it brings me back to when I was actually playing with toys and all this stuff. Yeah. Like something about watching those Japanese death matches, when I get past the point that this is a person having his flesh torn, I go this is me when I was a kid. Yeah. This is, this is when I was collecting. This is when I was tape trading. This is before any of this stuff. You know what I mean? That'd be me just watching like a November to remember. Yeah. Things of that nature. But I know exactly what you're talking about. But it but takes my mind back to like XPW. Right. Things like that where I'm like, with this, especially because then I go back and I re- read about XPW and things like that. And you're like, whoa. Right. I, yeah. I'm, I'm glad I don't look at XPW through that lens. Because I remember XPW though and... Maybe it could have been my age, but it was also because XPW was not, there was no storytelling in XPW. Mm -hmm. There was no, I mean, it was really garbage wrestling. Like it was what it was. But I remember like wanting so badly XPW to be the ECW replacement. Yeah. To be the West Coast ECW replacement. But then they started doing just like barbed wire matches every other show. And the guys were not good wrestlers or good promos. The characters were awful yeah. and you're going oh this is not this is you know these are just actually not good people right right and you realize it's like a front for for porno thing and yeah. there's even worse stuff going on you're like i don't i don't think i want to be involved in this even just in terms of being a viewer yeah you know oh i'm a creepy person now <laughs> right, right, <laughs> right 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 and then for a second you wanted czw to be the company and you just you realize that you, you just kind of over the years started to realize that ecw was like this special thing yeah. that's so it's what you were talking about earlier like you just have to understand that, and some people will never get it and i think yeah, maybe they if, do so much now to belittle it right you know because they'll, they'll they'll be like oh they can only get two thousand people in a thing 1100 and i'm just like that's a good amount of people <laughs> every yeah. single time yeah that's a good amount right on the on a regular basis yeah it, it really is and yeah i, I just it's it's interesting that 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 the ECW generation is just that that there there isn't this wave of 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 young people anymore. I feel like that are finding ECW and being like, this is amazing. Yeah, no, it's it's, it's pretty buried now, but but it's just because there is so much now because the independents are so amazing now. That's true. I mean, you're a hundred percent right. Like everybody, those people. Younger people are finding what we're finding as well, which is New Japan and PWG and Ring of Honor mm-hmm. and all these other great promotions. And honestly, I mean, I don't know if you keep up with Impact anymore just because there's been so many starts and stops and everything. But I think Impact has the best head on its shoulders now that it's had in a long time. Oh, absolutely. Just in the way they're doing business. They're concentrating on different things. They're not trying to be bigger than they actually are. Mm-hmm. And they're, and they're you know... Was- so, but it makes you so sad. Such missed opportunities when you look at the roster that they had and things they had available to them. And there's that... I mean, there was just that time, right? Pre-Hogan. Pre-Hogan and Bischoff where you're just like... This is good. Right. This is special. I mean, when you you even look at everything where like, oh, the women's revolution is like, I mean, kind of it started at TNA. Right. But TNA did TNA TNA didn't have to get buried. Like TNA buried themselves. Mm-hmm. Because like you go forward and unfortunately, like the Knockouts division for a period of time was this thing where no, 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 the women are actually wrestling on yeah, TNA. I mean, there's a reason Gail Kim went there. Right. But Promotions called TNA. 
yeah. which is your first mistake. And then the one that they the, the show that they remember is the later version of the knockouts division where they would do like these all women's pay-per-views and they were horrible. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Cause there was no thought put into them. There was, it was, you know, no, nothing. Um, but you know, I, but I, I, I think that the fact that they're like, you know, they're actually going into the independent world, you know what I mean? And becoming kind yeah. of one with that. And you're, you're almost starting to get to a point where impact is, kind of becoming a best of the independence. Yeah, but it, it does make things a little bit muddled right now where almost every, like, the roster between Impact, a PWG, a Ring of Honor, it's like, you're seeing the same show. You're mm-hmm. seeing Pentagon and Phoenix. Mm-hmm. You're seeing uh, Brian Cage. You're seeing everybody everywhere. You yeah, know? that's true. And so it seems like, hopefully, there would be, uh, but, I mean, hopefully for the wrestlers, it just drives people more to try to get more contracts. And, it, I mean, we see it now with, with Ring of Honor signing more exclusive contracts and stuff. But I think that's just good for, for wrestlers' pockets, which I love. Right, and the fact that there is, you know, people for the longest time, no competition, no competition. Now there's a lot of competition. Mm -hmm. And it's not like so much, you know, oh, who's going to be the supreme company? It's just a lot of work. Like, it's a lot of competition in the sense that companies are competing to get certain wrestlers, which is exactly... Really, wrestlers don't want companies competing with each other for supremacy in the sense only one brand will survive. Like... Ultimately, the WCW-WWE competition was not good for wrestlers Mm -hmm. because one company had to go away in order to, you know, at the end. What you want is probably more of what's going on now, which is companies just competing to see who's going to get what Who's going to get that hot wrestler. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Who's going to get Bandito. Yeah. Yeah. Well... Ron Funchy, where do you want to see, do you what do you want to see Cody and the Bucks do? I want to see them start that that company. You want that? I want that. You were at All In, right? I was at All In. You and, loved it, and I loved the feeling that it gave me. It made me feel like a kid, where I was just, and I was like, there's just something more when you're like, okay, I don't know these people, but you like, I feel like I know them a little bit more. Where you're like, I think these are good people, and I want them to support them, and I want them to win. Yeah, and I know. You don't know what will happen if they go to WWE, but you you look at the size of the Bucks and you look at the size of and just the the, the state of the tag team division. And you're just like they're not going to be spotlighted like they should be. Mm-hmm. You know, if they were, the revival would be. If they were, you know, a lot of other teams would be, and they're not. It's more about you know overall entertainment, and that's fine. But um, what I like is 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 more akin to the wrestling I grew up watching and. and and I'm okay with believing whatever you want me to do, as long as the rules stay steady. So, like, a thing like the Lucha House Party being a revival makes my mind go crazy. It's <laughs> like, what happened to rules? Right. I thought it was two on two. Right. Even the New Day doesn't do three on two. Well, New Day goes by the Freebird rule, but the Lucha House Party goes by Lucha House Party rules. Okay. That's yeah, their that's rules. different. So, okay, then why don't people just all make up their own name and their, with their rules to their name? That's actually a good point. Well, what about, I mean, look, it's not the first time. What about Raven's Rules? Remember in WCW? That's a good point. But we had like Raven's, Raven's Rules. Rule. You liked Raven's that Rules. That was just extreme. It was just, it was just yeah. <laughs> it was just a hardcore match. Just ECW, really. <laughs> <laughs> see if we can get ECW on the like show a little bit. more competition. I think they can, and they have, a, a, with that core group, they have so much talent there uh-huh. that you can you can have a decent roster as long as you, you, you fill it out right and you don't try you know i'm sure they're not looking to be like running every week you know so more competition the better to me and the more places for people to go i love it to me 
if there's a world where um, WWE is worried that they lose a person like Rusev, then then we see better better pushes for people like him. Yeah, you know, you don't see the start and stop push and the like. We'll keep pushing as long as these shirts are selling, and then and then push him back down. It's like, uh, you know, you. People like Ruza, people like Biggie, people who um, like Dolph and stuff, are, and, and many other people like Heath Slater, where you're just like, oh, I get it. There's so many, much talent that they have. There's only so much room, so they should be able to come and go. Because that's what I loved about WCW and WWE is that what what, what type of world would we have lived in if WCW was just like, you know what, Stun and Steve, we're not into you, but there's nowhere else for you to go. Right, you know. Right, we would never gotten Stone Cold. You're right. No, it's 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 always better for fans when there's more. There's more. More is always better. You know, in every every way. Not just because there's more to watch, but because there's options for the performers, which means that the companies have to use them well because somebody's going to. If if they're talented enough to get themselves over they're going to find a place to get themselves over. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think that that is a good thing. Did you watch the pay-per-view, the all-in pay-per-view feed, or did you just see it live? I, will, I watched it later, yeah, Could, yeah. I couldn't believe what a smooth production it was for a bunch of guys that have not oh, produced absolutely. a pay-per-view show before, you know? Yeah, it was just a fun... And, and what I didn't expect was, like, some of the entertainment segments as far as, like, like I mean, the Joey Ryan penis segment with the penis druids. As much as people are like, oh, it's so juvenile. I was like, the fact that they even were like, let's put together a bit. And, I thought know, it really worked, too. Yeah, it worked. You know? it, 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 on, it, it, at the event, it definitely was over. Yeah, so yeah. it was it was amazing. I loved it. I loved it. It was a great event, and I would say a, a good start. You know, I want to keep it going. Do you really, when you were losing weight, chew up gummy bears and spit them out? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, wow, that takes a lot of discipline. It does. <laughs> well, you can hear all about that and more January fourth on Comedy Central, eleven p.m. Eastern. 11 p.m. Pacific, the same night as Wrestle Kingdom. It's called Giggle Fit. It's Ron Funch's first ever one-hour comedy special. It's a hilarious special. I can say that because I've seen it. I'm not just saying it to blow smoke. It's, <laughs> it's a hilarious special. So you can support it because you like watching comedians do good jobs, but you can also support it because Ron Funches is a wrestling fan, and we should support our own out there, right? Please, please. And uh, Getting Better is the podcast. You can find it on all podcast spots as well as the video version on YouTube, Absolutely. which I like the video version. Yeah, me you too. Know? You can see the studio. You can see... I just I like I like watching podcasts. You get to see our person, our body language, where you're like, okay, maybe maybe it, he's pretending to like them. Right. Yeah, 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 exactly. You come up with your own theories. And should there ever be like a, like a, a dead spot in the conversation, you can just kind of look at the bookshelf and see, oh, that's a Vader figure back there. Yeah. You know, there's plenty of stuff. Yeah, there's a lot. I put a little... I try to read arrange things around sometimes it's really good of you it's really you're a thoughtful guy <laughs> thank you very much ron funches thank you sir here is sam roberts how great is ron funches let him know how you feel hit him up on twitter let him know that you heard the interview and that you think he's the man because he is the man just showing love to the world of professional wrestling like not many people do i always have uh such respect for that like i was talking to him about i always get uh iffy when I hear about the famous people working in entertainment more and more these days that's how I can tell wrestling is doing better more and more I find people coming up to me I know them from radio or comedy or whatever know them from outside of wrestling and they go oh man Sam 
I've been watching wrestling. Nothing irritates me more than somebody trying to relate to me as a wrestling fan when they don't even watch. Ah, what do you think? Dean Ambrose, a heel turn, huh? Yeah, I know. Like, did you just learn what heel turn is? Oh, what do you think of the heel turn? Don't use those words with me, man. Don't use those words with me. You know, you can always tell when somebody's new to it and when somebody's true to it. And I don't mind people who are new to it. If you are if you are brand new to, to professional wrestling and you're just honest about it, like, oh, I just started watching like three weeks ago. I just started watching six months ago. I just started watching two years ago. But I love the podcast and this and that and this and that. That I'm fine with. It's the it's the people who fake it that drive me crazy. I smell it coming. I always smell it coming. But when I find somebody that's not faking it, that's being honest with their fandom, and I can actually have a conversation, I could talk to him for hours. And that's the category that Ron Funches falls into. I could talk to that guy about this wacky world of professional wrestling for hours. But we don't have hours. I mean, it was already a long interview as it was. This guy's a busy guy. He's got a special coming out on Comedy Central. All kinds of stuff. By the way, I will be in uh, San Jose. I mentioned it at the top of the show in passing, but I will be in San Jose doing the kickoff show for uh, TLC. I'm very, very excited about it. They were going down the TLC card on SmackDown this week, and I was like, man, this card is a, a, a lot of matches on this show. They are really building something here, and there's more matches on this show that don't have title, like way more singles matches that don't have titles on the line, I feel like, than I'm used to. Grudge matches, you know? We'll talk about We'll run down TLC. As a matter of fact, why wait any longer? Let's run down TLC. Let's talk about Finn Balor. Let's talk about Big Cass. Let's talk about the whole deal. Let's talk about it all right now in the State of Wrestling. It's now time for this week's State of Wrestling. The time is now. State of Wrestling time. Welcome. Welcome, everybody. To the state of wrestling. Don't forget, before we begin, we haven't mentioned Patreon in this week's episode. And if you are watching the state of wrestling right now, you already know about Patreon because you are an indie darling level, not Sam Schill or above. Everybody who's indie darling level or above, not only do they get exclusive access to the video of the state of wrestling segment each and every week from Not Sam Wrestling, but you'll get the Ron Funches interview on video. Way before, within 24 hours of the podcast dropping, you'll get it way before anybody else gets it on YouTube. Now, you want to just uh, be introductory level, not Sam show, four bucks a month uh, for the money mark level, no problem. Not only will you get the podcast ad free and early every single week, but you'll get the bonus shows too. Captive audience went up. Royal Rumble 99, I watched Royal Rumble 99 with my wife Jess in real time, tried to explain to her everything that was going on as it was happening. A lot of storytelling happens, not only at that pay-per-view, but in the match itself. You can watch long on the WWE Network as I try to explain to Jess why Royal Rumble 99 is so great. Of course, you can only listen to that and only get that experience on Patreon as a Not Sam Shill over at patreon.com slash notsamwrestling. Now let's get into the state of wrestling here on the show this week. Uh, of course, the top five stories as I see them in the world of professional wrestling. And uh, we start number five with a tweet that went out uh, from Jimmy Jacobs because I think it goes into the conversation we've been having over the last three weeks or so with Monday Night Raw and the creative of Monday Night Raw and uh, people saying that the creative for Raw sucks is what people were saying. 
something to that effect. And Jimmy Jacobs uh, wrote back that writing five hours of live TV every single week is really hard. Jimmy Jacobs would know. Of course, we know Jimmy Jacobs from Impact right now. We knew him from Ring of Honor before, but in the between time, he was uh, a a member of the WWE creative team. He was one of the creative minds responsible, I believe the primary creative mind responsible in terms of the writing team for the Festival of Friendship skit, but he was responsible for a ton of stuff while he was a member of creative over at WWE. And he said, look, it's really difficult to write five hours of wrestling every single week without fail, with no breaks. One of the young bucks piped in and said, it's tough to write 15 minutes a week because, you know, they have to write being the elite. And it was like, yeah, and then Seth Rollins responded that that's what he doesn't understand, that people just don't fully get that as difficult as that is, it's a miracle that the show goes on nearly as as smoothly as it does every week. And I think there's a lot of truth to that. And they can't let people off the hook altogether for tweaks and changes that could easily be made and that are just being missed. But in the grand scheme of things, there is nothing in the world of entertainment that compares to what it is like to have to be responsible for the creative of WWE in 2018. You're talking about five hours of TV a week, plus whatever you're doing on Mixed Match Challenge, plus NXT, plus NXT UK, plus whatever you've got going on on the side with the WWE 365 and 24-7 and whatever's on the WWE Network. You know, all of it happening all at once. Nobody is making that kind of content. Sports teams don't have to write scripts. And even without writing, they're still only on a third of the year. They take off the other two-thirds. TV, the best TV episodes of all time, the best TV series of all time, maybe go 13, 14 episodes a year. We're talking about 104 episodes a year. You got 52 Raw and 52 SmackDown, 104 episodes of TV every single year. It's a lot of content to be responsible for. And no matter how bad the show gets in terms of not being creatively compelling, it does get pulled off every week. There is, it is a show, right? So I do think that that has to be taken into account. You know, I think that when we as fans complain about what's going on on Raw, I wish that we were a little bit more general about our complaints. Meaning that if the show, if you don't like the show, you have every right to complain about it as a fan. If I don't like The Walking Dead, I complain about it. Yeah, it's tough to watch to write, but right now it's tough to watch The Walking Dead. But it would be difficult to write The Walking Dead. However, people get paid a lot of money to do it. So, you know, it's within reason to say I expect good episodes of The Walking Dead. I expect good episodes of Raw. I expect and usually get, quite frankly, good episodes of SmackDown. But with so many factors that go into what makes these TV shows, I think that we have to, uh, when we complain about the TV, just complain about the TV, meaning let's not assume creative doesn't know what they're doing. Let's not assume Vince McMahon won't let creative do anything. Let's not assume that the road dog is actually telling Vince McMahon what to do or Triple H is coming in and fighting with Shane McMahon because segment four of segment three. We don't know what exactly the details are in terms of how the television gets made creatively. We don't know. We're outsiders realistically. 
So to say, like, ah, the creative needs to do a better job. Maybe creative is doing a better job and there's a roadblock up. Maybe not. Maybe creative isn't doing a very good job and it's making it so that Vince McMahon has writer's block. Maybe Road Dog isn't writing any of these shows at all. None of us really know. And I, it does irritate me to see specific people or groups inside of WWE getting blamed for stuff that we don't know whether they're doing it or not. So I, I, I think that the criticisms of the show are fair, but I think we should keep them to criticisms of the show unless you know for a fact that so-and-so did this or so-and-so did that. If you know for a fact that an individual or a group is responsible for something that you don't like on the show, that's fine, of course, that's fair. But if you're just assuming or just using a term like creative to kind of air all your grievances, I don't think that that's fair at all. Uh, there was a lot of talk uh, one way or the other between what people thought of the WWE using the declining ratings as a storyline. You know, Seth Rollins uh, in a promo, which, by the way, Raw was certainly the best Raw it's been in three weeks. And I would say that this week's episode, while it wasn't perfect by any stretch of the imagination, it was considerably better than the last two weeks. I think I think that this, this week was considerably better than the last two weeks of Raw. So, you know, the the graph is moving in the right direction. and I, And SmackDown has just been... On fire, I think. You know, SmackDown has been really, really solid since, I don't know, for a long time now. Probably since, other than SmackDown, every episode since the SmackDown right after Survivor Series, I think has been great. SmackDown right after Survivor Series, confusing because they didn't acknowledge getting swept in terms of what are we going to do? This was supposed to mean a lot to us. It just never was addressed. But other than that, Everything has been really, really solid on SmackDown. Uh, I I like when WWE uses real-life stuff in their storylines, you know? I, I think, you know, I, th I think there's nothing wrong with bringing up the declining ratings if there's a large section of the audience talking about it. There's nothing wrong with bringing up the declining ratings, but you really have to have a plan to get out of it. Because if you bring up declining ratings and then they don't improve, it's embarrassing. So I think if you have a, a foolproof plan that is going to bring these numbers up, then go ahead, by all means, incorporate it into the uh, storyline. But if you don't, and you think that this trend that's happening might maintain, I would say making it a part of the storyline is a bad idea. You know, And quite frankly, it's a risky thing to do at all. Because even if the idea is that the ratings are going down because Baron Corbin is not a good general manager, you still don't want to push forward the idea that the, because Baron Corbin is not a good general manager, the show's not good. You know, on a soap opera, when the villain is in charge of everything, the show is still good. And WWE is just in a very unique position because they really mesh reality and storyline. There is no separate cutoff. There is not necessarily a specific world that all of this exists in that is separate from the world that we're watching at home. When we're watching Raw and we're watching SmackDown, most of the time we're made to believe that what's happening on TV is existing in the world that we're existing in. Now, when Mae Young gives birth to a hand, it's probably an exception. But generally speaking, I think that that's, the, that's how people feel watching the show. So I, I, I do think it's something that the WWE needs to watch. I think ratings have to improve if you're going to acknowledge them in a storyline. And if they don't, you know, 
it could be a risky scenario. Uh, moving on to story number four. Story number four it actually got me a little worried when I heard it for the first time. Uh, Big Cass, he was at um, uh, uh, House of Hardcore, and he had a seizure, I think backstage at House of Hardcore. Now, I did see that somebody videoed it and posted it, which I thought was, like, pretty awful. You know, I, I, I don't know why you would sit there videoing it if you know something's going wrong, and I certainly don't know why you would post it, but somebody decided to. Um, and uh, Tommy Dreamer did go out of his way to say that it was not a drug-related seizure. Now, I don't know if uh, Cass has health issues that this is related to. I don't know, but it, it, it seems like Cass is on a string of not the greatest luck in the world. It may, you know, because look, I interviewed Cass uh, a few times on the show, uh, and I, I got along with him really, really well when he was a part of WWE. And I would see him whether it was at the interviews we were doing, whether it was at the pay per views, when I was on the kickoff show panel, all of them. And I just, I became a, a big fan of Cass as the guy. I don't know what led to him being fired. You know, I don't know if that guy that I knew changed I don't know and I haven't talked to him since he was released because I don't have his phone number um but and I don't think he follows anybody on Twitter but I I'm a little worried about him and that's because you know I, all this happening at the same time it feels like right now when you read about big cast it's not good news and maybe it's just the universe throwing a bunch of bad luck at him all at once that's possible but you know First you read about the breakup of his relationship, then he gets fired, then he's getting mocked on the internet for gaining weight, then he has the seizure, and it's like, you know, what is going on in the world of Big Cass? I really hope he's doing well. I really hope he's he's recovering, and I really hope that Big Cass snaps out of the funk that he's in uh, and starts to make a name for himself on the independents. You know, Big Cass never had the opportunity to run the independents because... He went straight to the Performance Center. Kurt Hawkins, he talks about it on the show, that he became a different... He's talked about it here on the podcast. He became a different performer after he left WWE and had his indies run, you know? And you can see it. You can see it. Even though he's coming out and losing every week, he owns this character. He has a presence about him. He has a purpose when he comes out there. And I think that that's probably something that he learned just by wrestling everybody that he could in every scenario that he could in every type of match that he could in front of every type of crowd that he could. And I think that that would do Big Cass a lot of good because I'd like to see him grow into the performer that I think he can be. And if that's not going to happen at WWE, there's no reason that it can't happen outside of WWE. So I hope that Big Cass is doing well. Uh, I was a little scared, a little worried for him when I read the news, but I'm really glad it's not drug related or anything like that, and I hope his health is good and that uh, and that he's doing fine. You know, because I really like uh, I really like the guy that I met. Speaking of really liking people, story number three is Mustafa Ali. Now you remember a couple of weeks ago when Katie Linendahl did the State of Wrestling with me the last time, I talked about redoing Raw, and one of the things that I said about redoing Raw was have Seth Rollins come out and give his open challenge. And put Mustafa Ali in the match with Seth Rollins. Like, you don't have to make him... You just give him the opportunity to shine. Mustafa Ali getting an opportunity to shine against a guy like Seth Rollins, I think, 
would be similar to when Sami Zayn got to come out, you know, when he hurt himself. But in that match, the moments before he announced he was out with an injury, it was a huge thing for Sami Zayn to answer John Cena's open challenge. It was a huge thing for Kevin Owens. It made Kevin Owens at the time to answer John Cena's open challenge. And I think that something similar could happen with Mustafa Ali. Look, uh, you know, Mustafa Ali is, to me, uh, still really underutilized. And I'm really glad that people are starting to see that. And it really feels like people are starting to see that because while he didn't have a match with Seth Rollins, this week he had a match with Daniel Bryan. Now, of course, Daniel Bryan won, but to me that wasn't the story. I think that Mustafa Ali has a natural good guy charisma, a natural likability, the fact that he's representing this culture that we don't see in the main event scene of WWE, right? We don't see Mustafa Ali's culture being represented outside of, like, historically, outside of stereotypes and things like that. And I think Mustafa Ali is the guy that can not only break the stereotype, but he can connect with fans, both young and old, in a way that WWE is always looking for talent to do, you know? And I, I I think that you could tell that by the overwhelming positive reaction, not only that his match with Daniel Bryan got, but the fact that he had the match with Daniel Bryan got. I honestly, for the life of me, could not tell you why he did not win the Cruiserweight Championship at WrestleMania. I think Mustafa Ali is the type that you could put the Cruiserweight title on and really use him to start bringing eyes over to 205 Live because it's not really happening. Otherwise, at the moment, anyway. The same way when Enzo was champion and they would do full cruiserweight segments on Raw and and the end of... And, and Enzo was used at the time as the charismatic star power to draw eyes to 205 Live. I think Mustafa Ali could be used for that as a good guy and not only for his charisma, but for his athleticism. You know, Mustafa Ali is like, he's the guy on that roster, the 205 Live roster, that has the potential to steal shows. I was really happy to see the outpouring of support that Mustafa Ali got from his coworkers. You know, I didn't realize how many people in the WWE really had the this deep respect for what this guy does, which I do, and, you know, I've made that clear a lot, but... Just the idea that you watch SmackDown and there's a tweet that goes out and the 205 Live guys, you know, uh, Gentleman Jack Gallagher and and uh, Maria Kanellis and Mike Bennett and everybody was all gathered around the monitor backstage to watch Mustafa Ali get this opportunity to face Daniel Bryan. You go to the video and Jeff Hardy and the Usos and all the guys backstage are cheering for Mustafa Ali. And I sent out a tweet uh, talking while SmackDown was on about how happy I was that Mustafa Ali was getting the uh, opportunity that he was getting. And go through the likes on that thing. See if you can filter by verify because so many WWE people, Renee Young and Carmella and a whole bunch of people, Ty Dillinger, clicked like on the tweet I sent out about Mustafa Ali and it really m- led me to believe that this is a guy that has a lot of people believing in him. The, a match with Daniel Bryan, the WWE champion on SmackDown, is such a tremendous opportunity for really, really for anybody, especially for anybody on 205 Live, especially for Mustafa Ali, who I believe, in terms of that show, just has the most potential to break out and become a superstar. And I think and I hope 
that WWE is starting to really see that and become aware of it. Because in two, 2019 could be a spectacular year for Mustafa Ali. That, and, and I'll do 2019 predictions and all that. And actually, hit me up on Twitter. Let me know what you want me to do for the year-end show. Maybe I'll bring in Wade Keller again and we'll do that. But um, I think 2019 could be a spectacular year for Mustafa Ali. Because right now, his potential is limitless. It really is limitless, and I'm uh, I'm excited to see what happens. Uh, speaking of conversations on Twitter, a lot of controversy. Um, Ruby Riot, Natty Neidhart, of course, tables match at TLC. But the big thing is the incorporation of the late Jim the Anvil Neidhart into this storyline. It started with Natty coming out with the sunglasses and Ruby Riot breaking them. They've gone back and forth mentioning his name, and and this week was the uh, coup de gras, the icing on the cake this week was the fathead of uh, Jim the Anvil Nightheart stuck on top of the table and Ruby Riot promising to put Natty through a table that her father's picture took up the entire table of. Uh, and people are wondering, is this in bad taste? What do we think of this? And of course, you guys know how I feel. All fairs in love, war, and wrestling. You know, I didn't have a problem when Paige brought up Charlotte's brother who had passed away because this is what we do, and I don't think Paige went off script for that, if that makes sense. You know, I think both performers knew it was coming. Clearly the same thing with Jim the Anvil Nightheart. I didn't have a problem with uh, Dean Ambrose turning heel on Seth Rollins the night that Roman Reigns made his leukemia announcement. I mean, it's all for the love of the game, and the show must go on, and at the end of the day, all performers are there to give everything they can to make the show as good as it is, and I truly believe that. But, I bet you didn't know there'd be a but, but when you use something as personal as that, as a death in the family, as, as, as whatever, you know, as any of those things that I mentioned, all of those things that I mentioned while I don't have a problem with those things being those those instances being brought up, I do have a problem with the fact that I don't think any of those two that have already happened, and we'll see with this third one, have been executed on properly. I think that these personal things should come up, but once something so personal is used. I think that you need to put everything you can into this storyline. Make the storyline as real and as important and scary and 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 real life as humanly possible. Make it so that this feels like a blood feud. You know, I don't think that Dean Ambrose has become the vicious heel that he needed to become. Um, and I think that Dean Ambrose needs to come across as more of a scary, lethal bad guy. The type of guy that would do what Dean Ambrose did. I think that the storyline between Charlotte and Paige needed to have a little bit more meat on it if they were going to bring up uh, the death of Charlotte's brother. And I think that there has to be more to the Ruby Riot Natty Neidhart feud than Ruby Riot insulted her dead dad. You know, there has to be more to it than that. If you're going to bring up the dead dad, because you can't have every feud that Natty's in be about that. So if you're going to make this one about that, really make give us a reason to lose our minds cheering for Natty. Because right now, while I'm excited for the match, and I think it gives us a reason to have the match, I worry that, you know, if you're going to bring up 
Natty's dad passing away, this should be one of at least one of the top female feuds of the year, if not one of the top feuds of the year. Ruby Riot versus Natty, and I just don't. And if and if it's not, I don't know if it's worth it to drop the atomic bomb. Does that make sense? You don't drop in in real life. You don't drop an atomic bomb because you want to win a battle. You drop an atomic bomb because you want to win a war. When you drop an atomic bomb, history is automatically made. There's no going back from it, and everything changes forever. So when a metaphorical atomic bomb is dropped in storyline, everything should change forever. And too often it doesn't. That's my only problem with these atomic bombs being dropped. Not that they're dropped, but that everything is not changed forever after they're dropped. Let's go to story number one. Let's preview TLC. Of course, as I said, I'll be on the TLC kickoff show on the WWE Network uh, that I believe will be on at 6 p.m. Eastern, I want to say, on Sunday, of course. And it's a big card. Okay, it's a really big card. Uh, 12 matches, including the one on the kickoff show. Of course, the kickoff show is the finals of the Mixed Match Challenge. R-Truth and Carmella versus Jinder Mahal and Alicia Fox. I would imagine that R-Truth and Carmella will win. It could go either way, really. I would think R-Truth and Carmella would win. And, of course, that gives the number 30 spot to each of those people. You know, although we might see Alicia Fox and Jinder Mahal win, number one, because... The number 30 spot is generally good for a bad guy if it's not going to be a big babyface surprise return. And number two, if Carmella's going to interrupt the Royal Rumble for the for a dance break, which she should, then I don't think that she come her coming in at 30, there's a there's, it, it's dramatic, right? The final entrant at number 30. Until the end of the match, it's all drama. That's when it's really, okay, who's going to win this thing? So I think the drama might be a little high to turn around and do a dance break after number 30 comes out. So I'm going to change my prediction. In order to squeeze the dance break into the Royal Rumble at the appropriate time, Jinder Mahal and Alicia Fox win the finals of the Mixed Match Challenge. We go to the main show. We've got uh, Buddy Murphy versus Cedric Alexander for the Cruiserweight Championship. I say keep the title on Buddy Murphy and come Royal Rumble, have um, Mustafa Ali finally take the title off of Buddy Murphy. Uh, and I'm getting this uh, off a website. So if that... Now, I, would, um, I wouldn't be shocked. So we, as we're going through this, right? 11 matches on a pay-per-view that is four hours. Three matches an hour more or less. You know, it's very doable. But 11 matches is a lot of matches. Most pay-per-views, I think, are probably closer to eight or nine matches. So there's a couple on here that are going to be short or that are going to not happen at all, and we'll talk about that. I would imagine the Cruiserweight Championship match is a match that is not a very long match, Um, but not, you know, weirdly short. Rey Mysterio versus Randy Orton is a uh, chairs match that's happening, and this is what I was talking about earlier in the show, about the grudge matches going down. Of course, uh... Randy Orton taking Rey Mysterio's mask earlier, ripping it off his face. Rey Mysterio coming back this week on SmackDown. Uh, I think it'll be a fun match to watch. I'm excited for it. Rey Mysterio and Randy Orton are two of the best of all time. Both of them are performing at an amazing level right now. Uh, I think Randy Orton will do something creative with the chairs. I I don't think this is going to steal the show, but I think it is something uh, for Randy Orton and Rey Mysterio to do for the meantime in between time as we try to figure out what 2019 looks for like for both of these guys. And I would say that Rey Mysterio should probably win this match just to remind people 
what a massive star he is. Although Randy Orton winning wouldn't surprise me. Uh, Elias versus Bobby Lashley. This says is a ladder match. Now, I don't know if it's a ladder match. I'm going to see if I can get this list from somewhere else because I'm, I'm not 100% sure that that is a, a ladder match. But uh, because I don't know what would be, unless it's a guitar hanging. Maybe I missed. Maybe they said on commentary what it was and I missed this week. But uh, unless it's a, uh, 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 what's it called? Um, a guitar hanging from the ladder, which is very, very possible. Yeah, it's a ladder match. Um, Bobby Lashley versus Elias. Uh, again, I would imagine there'll be a guitar hanging from the top of the ladder, and I would imagine that Lashley will probably win the match with the help of that dastardly Leo Rush. Now, we also talked about the tables match. Natalia versus Ruby Riot. I think, you know, you brought in Jim Neidhart into this. I think Natalia kind of has to win. Unless you're going to extend this thing. Ruby Riot could use the victory, though. You know, clearly the WWE wants to go someplace with Ruby Riot and the Riot Squad, and I think they're right on the money to do that. Great heels. Uh, if there's any interest in starting a tag team division, you want to make the Riot Squad as strong as possible. So, and if anybody can survive losing a match that's dedicated to your dead dad, it's Natty Nightheart. It's pay-per-view. I'm going to squeeze it. Ruby Riot. I know, I keep messing up. Ruby Riot is my choice. SmackDown Tag Team Championships, of course, Triple Threat. The Bar, The Usos, and The New Day. Um, I see The Bar retaining the titles on this one. I would My my preference would be if, if The Usos won the tag titles. I think The Usos are one of, if not, are one of the best tag teams in the last decade. Uh, the Usos are incredible. They only get better and better and better. I thought the... Rap battle was good for what it was. I think a lot of performers would not have been able to handle it as well as those three teams did. Of course, the New Day delivered as they always do. Uh, the Bar and uh, what was it? Uh, Ice, Ice, Shamey. Brilliant. Just ridiculous and stupid and brilliant and, and hilarious. And the Usos, when they dropped that turnbuckle line about Cesaro, bodied, bodied. Sheamus and Cesaro were bodied by the Usos. That said, Sheamus and Cesaro walking out tag team champions. Uh, we go to uh, a chairs match between Randy Orton and, and Rey Mysterio. We talked about that. Drew McIntyre versus Finn Balor. Now, uh, Finn Balor injured, not on Raw, had to go home from the house shows early, the live events. I would not be surprised if this match ends up not happening. That would be a shame. Uh, not a shameless. It's a shameful thing when Finn Balor doesn't wrestle. Um, it would, uh, I, yeah, I would be bummed out if, if the match didn't happen because I think it's a good look for both guys. But I would say the fact that so many matches are made for this pay-per-view, they're ready to not have the Finn Balor match. Um, if they do, I think Drew McIntyre wins because that's the direction Drew McIntyre is going in. But I wouldn't be surprised if that match doesn't happen. The Women's Championship of Raw is on the line. Ronda Rousey versus Nia Jax. You know, I, I think that clearly it's Ronda Rousey's match, you know, because we all want to see Charlotte versus Ronda again. We all want to see Becky versus Ronda more than life itself. So, you know, I think that clearly Ronda is going to win this thing. Although, I, you know, I like Nia as a bad guy. 
some people say that it's not real heat because people are booing her because they're actually mad at her because of what she did to Becky. I think it's I think it counts as real heat personally. Intercontinental Championship Seth Rollins versus Dean Ambrose. Um I think that should be a TLC match. I kind of thought it was, you know, I I I think that but maybe it's not a TLC match because they want this rivalry to continue. Um yeah, I mean I think Rollins is going to win this match, but I think Ambrose will jump him or something from behind and, and keep the thing going because if they weren't going to keep the thing going, I think they would have made it a TLC match and, and really had an outcome. AJ Styles versus Daniel Bryan. WWE Championship is on the line. I'm sorry. The new Daniel Bryan. My God, is he good. Bringing up a deceased author and saying it's his friend on SmackDown this week. Daniel Bryan has just evolved again. Showing the world how special he is. He played uh, an underdog. He played a goofy heel when he first started doing yes, yes, yes. He played uh, the guy that the fans wanted, the fans' choice. And now he's this truly crazy supervillain type character. He's, he's, he's like Lex Luthor before Lex Luthor went bald. Um yeah, I think that Daniel Bryan's got to win this thing. I think that the momentum behind Daniel Bryan is just starting to build, and it's really, really clicking in. I think it'll also be interesting, you know, if uh, the men's Royal Rumble goes down, who does Daniel Bryan face at, at, at WrestleMania? And that's, a, that's probably a question for a podcast that leads into the Royal Rumble. But I do think it'll be Daniel Bryan walking out as WWE champion. Of course, TLC match, Braun Strowman versus Baron Corbin. I think this is going to be one of the matches that lasts like five seconds, but I think it's going to be because Braun Strowman comes out, surprises Baron Corbin, and knocks him flat on his ass. You know, I think Braun Strowman is going to be at the pay-per-view and is going to win this match very, very easily. And starting Monday, we will witness the build to Brock Lesnar versus Braun Strowman. And of course, the match that probably won't but should headline the pay-per-view. The match that, again, has been built better than any other match on the show. That's the SmackDown Women's Championship match. The SmackDown Women's Championship is becoming, very quickly, the most interesting title in the WWE. And that is because of one woman, the man, Becky Lynch. Becky Lynch, who, again, you know, coming off of this thing, I think it's, it's, it's pretty clear that they're trying to remind fans how great Asuka is, and I am fully in favor of that. WWE has done their due diligence over the last three or four weeks to really elevate Asuka in a way that they have not done since pre-WrestleMania. Everything after WrestleMania has had Asuka in a holding pattern right in the middle of the card. Now, now we're being reminded of the nobody is ready for Asuka era and what that really means. Um, I, you know, I, I think that the push for the future of Becky Lynch starts after TLC. I think that, uh, I think that Asuka should leave TLC as the women's champion of SmackDown. I think she needs it most. I think Charlotte is the John Cena of the women's division, doesn't need the title. And Becky Lynch is becoming the hottest superstar on television. Now, I think that, uh... Work has been done on TV to shine a spotlight on both Charlotte and Asuka because the WWE wanted Becky Lynch to share that spotlight and not hold the whole thing. In the Stone Cold era, 
it was pretty clear that the WWE had decided all energy goes to Stone Cold Steve Austin. In the Hulk Hogan era, all energy went to Hulk Hogan. WWE is not doing that for Becky Lynch at this moment. That's not to say they never will, but at this moment, that's not happening. There is still a great likelihood that WrestleMania will have a triple threat between Ronda Rousey, Charlotte, and Becky. The fact is, there is still a, a chance, and not a bad chance, that we will end up with Charlotte versus Ronda at WrestleMania. These two decisions would not be the right decisions, as I'm telling you at this moment in my mind. Everything after TLC has to spell the rise of Becky Lynch. The women's Royal Rumble match should end with Becky Lynch eliminating Charlotte, leading Charlotte to getting a match with Asuka for the SmackDown women's title, and Becky Lynch choosing to have her WrestleMania match against Ronda Rousey. Now that gives you... a Each brand, I think, gets one pay-per-view between the Royal Rumble and WrestleMania. Um, you know, that, that leaves you time to go back to the run-in with Becky and Ronda and maybe Becky interfering in whatever Ronda's got going on leading to WrestleMania. I do think that after WrestleMania, Becky will be on Raw. You know, I think that that's the reality we all have to realize. I think that Becky and Ronda should headline WrestleMania. And I would have to tell you how I'm feeling at the end of March. And maybe it's a fantasy. Maybe it's a hoop dream. But, you know, the idea of Becky Lynch headlining WrestleMania and winning and beating Ronda Rousey is not that far-fetched. You know, Ronda Rousey, she puts out this video. She's crying because she wasn't there when her goat died. And maybe she doesn't want to wrestle forever. I saw it on YouTube. She's crying. She doesn't want to be away from her goats. I get it. Goats are adorable. You know, she's accomplished a lot in her career. She's made a lot of money. She's uh, she's gotten a lot of accolades. UFC champion. Judo champion. I think she was a strike force champion. Now WWE champion. Not that much more to accomplish. Maybe she wants to go home to her goats. If Ronda Rousey is going home to her goats anytime soon, Becky Lynch needs to beat Ronda Rousey at WrestleMania. One on one. You can have Asuka win the title, especially in a ladder match, because this is a TLC match. You can have Asuka... In a TLC match, there are lots of ways to leave Becky Lynch incapacitated, so really it comes down to Charlotte versus Asuka, and Charlotte gets the title away from... Asuka gets the title away from Charlotte to win the championship. And maybe you have Becky versus Asuka at the at the February pay-per-view for SmackDown. And maybe Charlotte interferes in that match, you know? Or maybe Ronda interferes in that match. There's lots of different things you can do. But if you have Asuka win the SmackDown title at TLC, you're left with, I want to see Charlotte versus Ronda, Becky versus Ronda. Now I want to see Asuka versus Ronda, Becky versus Asuka, Charlotte versus Asuka. You know, you've got a lot of matches to pick from that all will make sense poetically if, and storyline-wise, if Asuka wins the title and Becky wins the Royal Rumble by eliminating Charlotte. And you got to give them a red herring. As much as we're going to see it coming, build a story between Asuka and Becky leading to the Royal Rumble. And Becky chooses Ronda. Now... First SmackDown after the Royal Rumble, we find out why Becky chose Ronda. 
Becky goes to Paige and she says, Paige, I'm ready for my contractually obligated rematch. I want it at the February pay-per-view. The reason Becky Lynch chose Ronda was because she knew that contractually she was already owed a match with Asuka. She doesn't need to cash in her Royal Rumble match uh, for WrestleMania main event against Asuka. She's already got a match under contract against Asuka. So the idea is I'm going to go to WrestleMania and I'm going to bring the SmackDown Women's Championship and I'm going to beat Ronda for the Raw Women's Championship. I'm going to win the SmackDown Championship before WrestleMania, and then I'm going to beat Ronda for it. And that's why Charlotte interferes in the match, because Charlotte wants a shot at the Women's Championship, and Charlotte wants a shot at Asuka at WrestleMania, and she does not want Becky to go away with it. Just a thought. These are just my thoughts. Thank you, everybody, for being a part of this. Don't forget to sign up, be a, a patron, help support the show. It helps more than you could possibly ever know in your life. Patreon.com slash NotSamWrestling to become a NotSamShill, and we will see you next week right here on NotSamWrestling. Thanks for listening. Follow at NotSam on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Rate, review, and subscribe. This has been NotSamWrestling. Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G. Because we're the engineers who built the most reliable network in America. And the more you do with 5G, the more building it right matters. The more your network matters. The more Verizon engineers going the extra mile matters. It's us pushing us. It's Verizon versus Verizon. 5G built right from America's most reliable network. Most reliable based on rankings from Metric's second half 2020 U.S. report of three mobile networks. Results may vary. Award is not an endorsement.